Pandora's box is about to open wide. Oh, ending on a minor chord. Oh, oh, oh. To add suspense and ambiance to start today's journey. It's not a show, it's a journey. Oh, everyone. yes. The journey of life. Oh, that's a circle of life. Um, <laughs> welcome to Pandora's Box, everyone. I'm your host as usual, Abadiah Penny Whistle. To the right of me, we have Drew Stilabert, as what's he is up, known by the French. And to the left of me, the mayor of Winkletown. Where Winkletown is, nobody knows. Mm. But apparently he is I the mayor. I am the mayor. He mm-hmm. is the mayor Keep of, that in mind. of mm-hmm. said town. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thanks for chilling with us this evening, everyone. Hope that you're um, feeling fine and dandy out there is normal. Just want to... Um, just want to correct a couple of things. Last week, I couldn't remember which astronaut. Um, I think I said it was either Neil Armstrong or um, or Buzz Aldrin, didn't I? Mm. But I thought it was Neil Armstrong. Um, our trusted comrade, Bernard Critchley, um, tax extraordinaire. The umpire of life. The umpire <laughs> of um, Yeovil and mm. Prukern, yeah, and of life himself, has, has confirmed it was Buzz Aldrin. We actually just watched the clip. Um, before we start the show today, it's, it's pretty entertaining. Mm. Um, I don't know why the, the guy is being so aggressive, or the guy that's like sort of c- confronting Buzz Aldrin about it, but he's like mm. walking around with a Bible, going like, "Swear on the Bible, swear on the Bible, <laughs> swear on the Bible." And then Buzz Aldrin, like, it's like see, he's like some old man in a suit. He's obviously at some like hotel. He's probably just like you know chilling out with his missus. This guy just won't leave him alone. He, Buzz Aldrin asks him to leave him alone about twenty times, and he gets right up in Buzz Aldrin's face and calls him a liar and a coward. Mm. And like, yeah, like understand. That was the moment, wasn't yeah. it? And he, he was, was just like, snap. Well, it's like, just like, that's just drawing yeah. the line. And also, yeah. like, how many times did Buzz Aldrin ask him to like, like can you just, like, can you just move away? Can you just leave me alone? Yeah. And then it's just like, I mean, let's face it, very rude to get in someone's face and call them a liar and a coward. Like, mm. so yeah, Buzz Aldrin, freaking gave him a quick one, quick mm-hmm. jobby. A quick, boom. Yeah. I mean, getting the message across, guys, you know, getting the message across. Uh, I don't think the moon landing was fake, personally. I don't think it was fake. Mm. Um, I I think that um, I don't like to think it because it was Neil Armstrong and my second name's Armstrong, so I'm like, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there may be some relation there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Probably not, but well, no, it's probably back far <laughs> enough. I mean, yeah. obviously, originally all Armstrongs would have been the Border Clan in Scotland, mm. wouldn't they? Mm. Yeah. In fact, what was it? I heard something the other day. Um, what was I watching? I'm pretty sure I was like watching something and it mentioned the Armstrong Border Clan. Oh, cool. I can't remember what it was now, so it was pretty much a moot point. Not to be confused with a moo point, <laughs> which is just <laughs> when cows go. <laughs> That's a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I um, pride myself on my um, farm animal impersonations. Mm. It comes in handy when you have a, uh, a small child. <laughs> 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 Demonic pig. <laughs> Psycho pig. We're going to start off the episode with some... Quick for a fact! Quick for a fact! And then we're going to nice. get into um, what is... It's, it's no right or wrong answer. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Mm. There is no right or wrong answer. It's more like... It will be almost like fun, us just dis- discussing the topic. Cool. And then I've got some, obviously, opinions, which I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll 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 mix weave in some I'll yes. weave in some from facts Sprinkle. with my opinions, but yeah, um, I think this is a quite a cool fact. Did you know that in Japan, train delays are really rare, unlike in Britain, mm. but they are taken. Each one is taken extremely seriously. If a train is late in Japan, the train conductors will apologise individually to each passenger and provide a printed proof of lateness slip for a delay of anything over five minutes, allowing passengers to show their employers or their schools that being late was not their fault. Mm. 
Mm, Isn't that really good? good? That's cool. I like that. That is really good, isn't it? Unlike in the UK, where it's like... um, I mean, get on with it. It's I like, hate trains, man. Well, buses are the same. It's almost like you just, you, there's no point even almost like looking at the timetable. Mm. It's like you might as well just turn up and then just hope that one's coming soon. Yeah. Mm. Because it's so funny. And I've, I've like, um, when I used to catch, have to catch buses into town when I was younger, because um, I lived like about six, seven miles out of, out of um, town. Um, they were supposed to be I, ever like 20 minutes, weren't they? Or every, I think mm, it was every, hour. I think it was every, I can't remember if it was half hour or hour, mm. but either way, I would, um, I wouldn't even bother checking the timetable because I did at first, um, when I was about 14, like 13, 14 when I catch the bus, but then I just didn't end up bothering. Cause like sometimes I'd go there like 10 minutes before a bus was supposed mm. to be there and then I'd be waiting like an hour and then like literally a bu- the bus would come and then literally like two cars behind that bus then it would just be like another bus <laughs> so it was obviously like the, the bus that was supposed to be there like mm. an hour earlier yeah. was so delayed that it was almost like That's the bus mental, behind it had it? like caught up with it mm. and I'd be like what the hell man but then it's like really random as well because then it's like you think like oh it doesn't matter I'll get there like 10 minutes late it's always late anyway and then it turns out that day that the bus was early and you're like mm. oh <laughs> do you know what I mean so it's like you, it's literally it's like it's like Russian like roulette. Mercy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like trains and buses in in, uh, in the UK are like Russian roulette. I is- remember running to catch a bus once and yeah. I caught it. And yeah. I had, as I got on, I'd ran, like, the, sprinted this whole way down the road because it literally left the, st- like, left the stop as I got to the stop. I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm going to catch this bus. So I started sprinting and uh, it's a red light down at the end of the road. Quite, it was quite a long road. It was uh, up from like Haygrove almost oh, yeah. down to like one stop. Oh, nice. So sort of sprinted that whole way. And uh, yeah, made it onto the next stop, got on. And as I went on, this music started that was all this like choir, like, oh, yeah. And I walked on, I was like, yeah, man, I made it. I made it. It was like it was like just for you, man. Mm -hmm. It was like exactly. Exactly. But anyway, yeah, that was my bus story. That's pretty cool, man. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's nice. It's nice when something like that happens. What's it called? Like serendipitous, Mm. serendipity. Like, you know, when something almost like. It, I think that means like you know if something happened then it was almost like fate so maybe you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got yeah. on the bus just as this music started happening yeah. it was really jubilant it, and was you, like you emphasising mm. yeah you would have thought that was almost like orchestrated but yeah. it wasn't mm. it was completely random yeah, you're I, like, I love those moments in this moment yeah. mm-hmm. in this moment I, I, I am feeling very happy about yeah. this <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah um, this is another cool fact did you know that um, there's a water plant in Warsaw Poland that uses clams to monitor their water quality um, if the clams detect toxic levels of metals or pesticide in the water, they will automatically close their shells. They have, themselves. which then triggers sensors to shut off the city's water supply. Wow! So basically, they cool. use like natural organisms. Yeah, clams. That's cool. So man. it's like they just know that obviously, if the water gets over a certain level of like badness, essentially, mm. they will just shut. Mm. So it's like, okay, boom. Well, let's turn off the water supply. We'll sort this out. We'll test it. We'll make sure it's good again, and then when the clams open up, we can start flowing mm. it to the to the, mm. the population again. That's such a good like That's simple way smart, of doing yeah. it. It's yeah. like, and also like I like the fact that it's like using like nature to your advantage. Mm. I mean, you don't have to come up with some like technical mm. like water monitoring solution. And it seems for some reason like to me almost like more trustworthy. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah, easy, yeah. very like, natural, isn't it? And well, a clam's obviously not going to want to be taken in that rubbish. So yeah. it's just going to shut. Like, I think it's so interesting how like animals do know those things. Mm. I know we've talked about it before on like where the birds will start flying off if they know that an earthquake's going to happen and that, and they all go crazy and stuff. Yeah. But even like a dog with like water. Mm. So like you put two bowls of water. One's like a fresh bowl of like river water or something uh, or like rainwater and then just some tap water both out 
and it will go over and it will drink the river water one. But if that was me, I'd have no idea. I wouldn't yeah, go yeah, over yeah. and be like, oh, which one should I? Or if you put two glasses out for me, it's like, do you know what I mean? It's like one, a bit one, of a more one thing I, stuff like that. I always notice is um, like my cat and pretty much any cat I've ever witnessed, um, they will rather drink uh, rainwater than mm. water I put mm. out for them in a bowl. Yeah, you know, obviously my cat does drink water up and out from for a bowl, but I only keep um, the only bowl I keep in the house with sort of tap water in it, sort of like on the landing upstairs, because um, I think it's you know often he'll sleep up there or something, so it's like you know you'll hear him like yeah and everything. <laughs> but other than that, I have a, just have a big bowl in the garden, mm. and um, most of the time, unless it's like obviously like summer and it's like one of those days where it's like scorching for days on end. Um, I usually just let it fill up with rainwater. Yeah. Um, and then obviously it's like, say it doesn't rain for like three days or something, well, it's still probably going to be like pretty full. Like mm. we're only getting like half empty or something because um, it's like a really big dog bowl. But um, yeah, like I'll notice that him and, and the other cats that sort of like make their way through my garden, like they would rather drink that. Mm. Like, mm. I can tell you'd much rather drink the rainwater than... Um, but I, I think that makes sense in a way because it's just like, I guess it's just like more more natural, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, mm. it's, it's, so rainwater is obviously 100% safe to drink. One of the things obviously... For anyone that's ever watched all those Bear Grill programs or other survival things, it's like one of the best things to do if you're in like a rainy climate and you get lost or whatever. Is like yeah, just like somehow try and gather rainwater. Mm-hmm. Perfectly safe to drink and stuff. Much safer to drink than if you just went found like some dodgy stream or like a river because mm. you never know. It can get because mm. obviously animals are weeing and pooing. And yeah, and, and, and dying as well. Like, yeah, like, yeah. You think of like do you see like cows like Ugh. dead cows floating down the river parrot and stuff and like oh, horses. Man, you would not want to drink that water from the river parrot. Like, yeah. it's so brown. It, but yeah, like animals can die in rivers and stuff and yeah. contaminate them quite a lot. Like oh yeah. So, yeah. I remember hearing a story about that up at Wimberville Lake. Um, oh, really? We I went up to Wimberville Lake last year. Really nice. Yes, went like paddleboarding nice, and everything, uh, bridge nice. jumping, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think it was Abby that was telling me that right. the last time she went up, they all jumped off the you know jumped off the bridge into the water like you do. Mm. And uh, because that bit's like a little bit more dirty, and it was dirty water, man, underneath really? this bridge when we went there. But she said last time they went, it was like a dead seagull underneath, uh, and just everyone that she went with just got like really sick afterwards. Really? Yeah, that's well, I guess that's all, that, that sounds is. brutal. Without even mm. thinking about it, it is sort of bits of it are going to creep into your mouth and your mm. nose and stuff, isn't it? Like, and even in your ears and your that. pores. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's nasty. Do you remember I said that fact? It was your pores. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember I think I said about like a year ago on a Pandora's box, didn't I? I said that fact about um, how many, um, how many like different. Um, like, I can't remember exactly whether it was like it was termed like parasites or what. I think it oh. was a like parasite. Like, it's just really commonly found in fresh water. Mm. And not like, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm not talking about fresh water in like exotic countries like Africa or like the Amazon. I'm talking just like British water. Like, so, yeah, like, man. just like a mm. lake. So, like, it's, it's like, you know, you have to be careful. Like, you think, like, oh, this is nice and everything. And obviously, it is. It's lovely swimming in like natural water, but you got almost that thing in the back of your mind, like probably just like think like... Probably mm. something entering your body. Yeah, try, try <laughs> to make sure you don't like swallow any water. Yeah. Or let any that was it with Rupert holes. as well. Like he got he got the squits like really, really bad. And we're really? like, what is going on with him? Um, we got his poop, poop analysed and it was this parasite that was right. from fresh yeah, water, river go. water. And he, he was, he jumps in whenever he sees water, he just yeah. jumps in. And the other thing as well is like back in the day, like, you know, medieval times and things like... Apparently, the reason that people used to drink beer more than water was because it was safer, because it was fermented, and it was because it was like, mm. you know, it was just oh, safer to drink 100%. than the river water mm. um, yeah. because most of it was Man, contaminated. People back in those days used to drink alcohol all day long. Yeah. Mm. Purely because it was safe. Safe, yeah. Yeah, to drink. So, like, think, it makes me it makes me laugh in a way because it's like, you know, you hear about all, like, the, like, the, 
different issues were faced in the past. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it, I don't actually think probably relatively it was actually any worse than today. But I think in some ways, obviously, it comes across as a more barbaric time to us, let's say, like the medieval times mm. or the Dark Ages, what's now known as the Dark Ages, or what people call the Dark Ages anyway. Um, but really, it's like really not surprising like any battles or like crazy stuff that kicked off. Because it's like, imagine just being drunk all day. <laughs> and then imagine just like someone just annoys you and you're like, rather than just being like, you know, sober and being like, that really annoyed me, but you know, it's, it's, it's no point making a big deal out of it. Instead, just hammered, you know, <laughs> drag a guy off his horse yeah. and just like, you know, just start like yeah. headbutting him. Uh. And then he's just drunk as well. He goes down, get his drunk mates. And that, yeah. <laughs> then you go get your drunk mates, your drunk village. You know, it's everyone's like, drunk. Everyone's just drunk mm. all the time, mate. Mm. Um, it's funny how universal our coal is isn't it I remember Mm. I was watching a video recently of someone who went down to I think it was the Amazon and they were staying for like a week in the Amazon they sort Mm. of went off it was just these two people and they knew this like what they called an uncontacted tribe Um, I don't know how true that is because obviously they contacted them to find them it's it's relative isn't it I mean there are some tribes I think they they, they were definitely very like tribal yeah what they they probably meant was there are some tribes that basically still live they have contact Mm. with with um, the wider world, but they live with their own traditions. Mm. Yes, and, and, and mm. most of them never actually visit like mm. our societies. Mm. They just know of. Like, I think that's people. that's exactly it. Yeah. But when they went, like all the people, like almost threw them this like celebration, and you know made them pints mm. and everything. And, and when I was, pints. yeah, mm. they were like, oh, oh, right, this is just like a pint, and they were just drinking well, out of this like beer. cup. I don't know if it was beer or just some kind There's of some like fermenting fermenting it was some kind beers, of alcohol because yeah. they were saying, oh, the kids aren't allowed it. Like if this is alcohol, yeah. Mm. But um, but yeah, I found that quite interesting, like just how universal alcohol is oh, yeah, as totally. like a celebration and very sacred as well. Like I remember in Vision Festival that I went recently to in Costa Rica and there was this woman who was given a talk then about because uh, they they brew beers but she was talking about the traditional way that that tribes would um would they would consume alcohol and drink alcohol and it was all together in like a unit like mm. they would never do it on their own mm. like we've kind of right. got into the thing of like you know obviously yeah. we do socially some but do, but yeah. like some people just kind of like drink on their own and it's like an insular good. thing no it's no. not and mm. that's what she was saying like we've like lost touch with the actual camaraderie and everything of why they mm. would do it and it was very like sacred to them and yeah. the, and the techniques of brewing it and brewing intention into the beers and yeah, i was like I this think, is so cool like i think it's what like, they were talking about i think it's almost a bit mm. like food as well i think that like to me and this is why i think it's like gluttony is um such like a bad thing and i think that might sound almost like funny to some people because on the surface obviously gluttony is nowhere near as bad as some other mm. classical quote-unquote sins um but i really think it, like gluttony can full-on ruin your life whether it mm. leads to like a, like drug addiction or alcoholism or obesity like because on the surface it's almost like say you have like your favorite cake <laughs> right or your favorite pizza your favorite alcoholic beverage and you think that's really, really nice. And the dopamine hit I'm getting from that is like out of this world. So um, I don't you know, I'm an adult now. So I'm just going to have like, I'm just going to have one of them every day mm. um, or two of them every day. And then it's like you have it every single day and you're getting that, but then you're reliant on that for that dopamine hit. And then before you know it, because obviously it's not very good for you to have that thing, whether it's the cake that's full of the sugar and the fat and it's full of calories, and then you're probably getting a bit out of shape or, you know, the alcohol you know, it could even potentially affect your home life because obviously when you're under the influence of alcohol, you're not as good judgment and stuff. So it could like affect that and you're not as reliable or, or, or like helpful to your family around you. Um, but also it takes away in the long term your appreciation of that thing. 
Whereas uh, as becomes said, normal. If you if like um if you say right, I'm 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 never going to drink at home. I'm only going to drink, or if I do drink, it's going to be. I'm basically I'm only going to drink socially. So if I do drink at home, it's going to be because I have friends over, mm. or either that, or it'll be like you know, like something like you know, obviously the the charity gig we did, where you know it's with your friends. It's like oh yeah, it's really nice, obviously, to have mm. a few pints like during and after that. Um, but then as a result, you appreciate that way more. Because mm. it's not like mm. an everyday or even every week thing. Yeah, or even if you get yeah. a bit tipsy, like yeah. it's like it's it's not a normal feeling. It's like whew, it almost yeah. like brings back the mm. yeah. the childlike wonder of what it was like to get yeah. tipsy with your mates <laughs> and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like exactly. rather than it just being like uh, you know an, but, an average Thursday night again, where yeah, you're dude, feeling a bit bring, half cut. <laughs> bring back that almost yeah that almost that, that respectful thing, almost like a sacred thing of like you know no it's do it as a group or like as a yeah. friend and then it's the same with with food that's what i was going that's why i was making the, the sort of the the crossover to saying about like cakes as well or it's like you know say you have friends mm. or something or you say you go for a big meal mm. a big meal mm. with group with like a group of friends or something like that's lovely then and then you sort of like you know you indulge a bit more than obviously you would if you were just on your own mm. but i mean um i think day-to-day eating should be always remember you know it's almost like you want to make sure you're always like enjoying your food and and it's really easy if you if you learn how to cook you can enjoy your food even if it's very healthy food mm. but also remember that foods for like you know function be make sure you're functional and healthy because if you're not functional and healthy you will be more unhappy in the long run mm. than you will be unhappy from like your food not being like freaking like tasting like like a greasy kebab and, mm. and like mm. cake every day that's been know? a big one for me as well thinking of something like ha- like that relation to like unhappiness or if you have yeah. got a little bit of like a feeling of some something like not right how that could basic so basically be about like what you're eating and how much yeah. exercise mm. you're getting you know and that was it and i've been feeling so much better since Mate, you've I've been, been doing eating. a great job Drew. yeah i've been i've been like been um because it, it was we were saying like a couple a month ago or a couple months ago on the podcast or whatever like starting doing it but yeah i've been keeping up the the, the fitness thing like have you, been, have you made sure you've been going yeah, to the yeah i've been going stuff. gym like every week like three times a week yeah. and all like including the gym this week yeah oh nice. yeah, yeah so you've been to um, the gym a couple of times since um we did our gig on stuff yeah oh, yeah nice, so like um but keeping that up and just it's something that you're not thinking about just introducing a habit into your life that is like you know yeah it's a bit hard or whatever but like is that going to affect um anything it you know rather than just what you look like and stuff like that and i have been feeling happier and feeling feeling more like just on it with stuff which is which is cool it's like Mm. yeah i wonder how much um in people's lives is could could be simplified by just eating well and and getting a bit of exercise there's a there's a good saying that I've, i've heard a couple of times over the years and it might sound a bit like uh cliche or something at first but i definitely think it's true and that's um you guys heard this one and it's like nothing tastes as good as healthy feels and i think that's a good mm, that's a good quote isn't nothing it? tastes quite, as good yeah, as healthy you know what? i really that like that good quote. Mm. because i, I do that, that is mm. and 100 percent that is true as well and as somebody that has been very unhealthy in certain parts of my life and also extremely healthy in other like um times of my life mate not even a question mm. not even a question like it's, it's like not even close man mm. the feeling of being like healthy and fast and strong and mm-hmm. fit that is amazing. Mm. That is like feels even amazing. like yesterday. Like um, so, we're mo- we're like moving in the process of like getting everything sorted. Yeah, you're moving hands. And um, yeah, and there's like this massive bag. You know, like the big uh, industrial bags. Industrial yeah. bags of like, and I'd filled that up in the garden. Like over the time we've been there, and just keep thinking, yeah, I'm gonna like sort. I'm gonna take that to the skip at some point. Yeah, but the bag yeah. was like so insanely heavy that it's like I I couldn't even move it. Mm. 
Um, so I had to like basically take half the stuff out of that bag and into another bag and then do yeah, it in sure. two hits, like yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but just even the process of doing that, plus like taking my table down, I smashed my sofa up completely, like, cut, like chopped it into like like twenty pieces. You're just gonna yeah, get a new one. Or yeah, no. we just got rid of it because it's super old now and everything. And um, so just all stuff like that. But it was about four hours of just really intense like work. And I and like going to the gym like mm-hmm. out for the last like couple months. I just made like easy work of it, you know, and I was like, this is good. It's like that practical like thing of just Hell doing yeah. in your everyday mm. life, how that can help you in a situation like that rather than being like, oh my God. And I, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, this is cool. I feel like I'm getting a bit of a workout in now and don't start yeah, feeling and getting a bit of a pump on and stuff. And it's like, yeah, man. Nice. Yeah. A hundred percent, dude. And it's so rewarding and you feel really good about it. And it's like, it's not just for you, but say like for your missus, like you're doing that for you and your missus and that feels rewarding. It feels nice that you know that your missus can rely on you to do that. And that's like, to me, I feel like that almost like satisfies this primal thing in you that we would have all had um, back, you know, back when we were, whether we were hunter gatherers or even much later on when we would have been living in much more sort of like, you know, like settler communities where mm. you would have still had to like hunt and farm for food and arduous things, man. Like, mm. Hunting and farming all day is not easy. <laughs> mm. You know, it's like you have to be strong and you have to be fit and you have to be you have to be physically able to to work like pretty much all day long. And mm. when you get home, you're probably still going to then have to go in get firewood and chop firewood and build fires and, you know, do other stuff, you know, um, blah, 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 blah. So it's like, um, it, you know, it would be an arduous life, but it's, it's, it's fulfilling that that primal thing in us, which is like, you know, you're, you're pulling your weight and you're almost like satisfying, like ticking that box of like, you know, are you doing almost like your man duties? Mm, mm. You know, I, I just like absolutely love gardening. I've been doing a lot of gardening sort of in preparation for spring and summer. And I just, yeah, I just love that. It's like Sunday's been like our, our gardening sort of day recently and our like thing so it was really nice like on sunday like em and evie built like a like a bug hotel together <laughs> just like with all like sort of like recycled stuff we had and loads of old like bamboo canes and like old bits of like wood and stuff and i got em out my drill so she could drill holes into them all and stuff like that do you know what i mean to and she got a glue gun out so she could make this really nice um bug hotel with evie while i was just like proper you know like the bit the bit at the bottom of my garden like past the gate mm-hmm. I was just like blitzing the hell out of that because obviously that's sort of like growing a bit out of control in the, since like last summer and still had some stuff from like, um, you know, like bamboo canes and other, and other stuff like bamboo poles out from, from last year's sort of growing. Mm. So just like took all of that, ripped Starting it all out of the ground. New. Literally mm. in just like a real nice process almost, just like getting out my strimmer, strimming it all down and then mm. raking all of that stuff that I strimmed up, raking it all, putting it into the wheelbarrow, then taking that down to the bottom of the garden, putting that in a pile, um, you know, and then mowing it all so it's even flatter. And mm. then finally, just like, you know, getting out my spade and my hoe and everything like that, and then just churning up all the ground. So it's just almost just like fresh, just malleable, like mm. dirt, mm. you know? Yes. And There's something like, real nice about mowing the grass, isn't there? Oh, mate, mm-hmm. amazing. Mowing the grass on like a nice day. Maybe mm. you put your headphones on. And then, and yeah. Just and then, thinking, this is really nice. That's, that's what I did at the end of the day, just to finish off. I then just like mowed like the bigger part of the garden, just like mm. mowed it all in like fresh lines and everything. Mm. And it's just, yeah. It's such a satisfying feeling mate. of just, mm. of just yeah, you, you feel like you've done something. You feel like you, you've earned your meal at the end of it. As well, mm. saying, yeah, like, we had a roast dinner, like just mm. cooking away. Oh, the whole yeah, that's time. the way to do it, man. So it's just like just about that. You know, I finished mowing the lawn just as like the food was ready. So it feels mm. like coming in, matter of just like making the gravy and then it's like dishing up. Mm. I think you almost get that instant gratification as well, don't you? Of being able to look at the garden at the end of the day and mm. you go, Yeah, I did that. Mm. Yeah, and you yeah. get you get a, a, like a similar thing when you do work on something, say on a computer or something where you're creating something. You're mm. like at the end, it's like, oh, you upload it, and then that, and yeah. it's like, oh, well, mm. this is done now. But it's not the same as just physically getting no. your hands yeah, on something yeah, and yeah. just going no, for it. Not. 
Yeah, no, hundred still important. I said I think it's just because probably we have evolved to obviously find much more satisfaction from the physicality because mm. the mental side that's like something we've really developed over really only the last few thousand years, mm. isn't it? Um, and even more radically in the last sort of hundred years. But before that, all of our satisfaction would have come from yeah, I don't know like bringing home the bread, so to speak. But mm. obviously, going back on even older terms, it would have been bring, a porch. bringing home the mammoth, mm. or, bringing home, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or bringing home the deer, getting yeah. the berries from the tree. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Building a nice little settlement, or, yeah. you know, or something like that, and, oh. and you know, like building a, a kick-ass fire, and, mm. and then like being able to provide like yeah, yeah, providing some entertainment for everyone around the start of the fire, whether it's a, a story or a nice or musical story. bard, yeah. bardic mm. tune. But, yeah, bards <laughs> and and elders and shamans, whatever you want to call them, you know. That, oh yeah, that. The, the storytellers, you know, bringing down those those deep lessons to you. Because at the end of the day, obviously, all of those things originally was more like to pass down like morals and ethics, mm. wasn't it? Because they're like it's always all like word of mouth as well. What's the moral of the story? Mm. That's where it comes from. Mm. That saying, isn't it? Mm. All of these stories had like the moral of the story is mm. don't betray your. It's a way of teaching. Yeah, don't betray the people that got you to where you are because you'll end up like such and such in this tale that yeah. ended up like with his head chopped off and alone <laughs> on an island with no hands. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, like, Mate, I also yeah. thought recently that I really want to do, which I think would be so satisfying. I, I took I um took my table apart, just took the le- legs off it and everything, and it's a real nice mm. oak table, and looked at all the underneath of the table and that, and just the way it was all put together, and you and you, you and you can open it. And I was like, I really want to learn some like furniture making. Like, imagine gun. like making a chair or making a table and like fully like hand yeah. hand like carving it yeah. all and doing all that stuff. I'd yeah. love to do like a little evening workshop or something to actually learn how to work. I don't with even wood. reckon you'd need a workshop to do it. Mm. I reckon you'd just be like, have... just need a YouTube video and some tools. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah. one thing that's nice, I've been around um, like Emily, my partner's granddad, enough now, and I just just from like watching him because he made our like kitchen it makes table sense, stuff. doesn't it? Like but, how um, you do stuff when you see it, it's like yeah, like uh, like especially because like with Evie and stuff, sometimes she wants to like get under the table, like treat it like a den and stuff like that. So I'm under the table. Sometimes when I'm under there with her, like playing a little game with her or whatever. Pretending we're hiding from like a disgruntled badger or a dra- <laughs> or like a dragon or something, like um, you know, I'm sort of like looking around and I'm seeing obviously how it's all put together, and it's like it's not, it's like it's one of those things. I mean, like, it's like common sense. Everything is mm. complicated when you don't mm. know how to do it, yeah, and everything's simple when you know how to do it. Mm. But like, do you know what I mean? I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, this is like pretty common sense, really. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think it's more like if you were just obviously just given a, like a, a like a tree, obviously, and you're like right, make a table, you'd be able, to, uh, okay, this is going to require a bit. But of learning game. about the joints and, yeah, and but, stuff um, like that and. It's like if I, it's, I almost think as long as I had that table there, almost like or at least some pictures of it, and then I was like in a builder's merchants, and I'd be like, okay, well I obviously need this many like two by fours, and I need you know <laughs> some some bigger planks for that, and I need like some you know some squarer bits of like t- you know timber for that, and then I could almost like go back and I okay, okay, I've definitely got everything that was made to make that, and then it's almost just a matter of like cutting the planks to size, deciding mm. how big you want the table. You know, do you want it six foot long? Do you want it ten foot long? Do you want it four foot long? And then, obviously, cut measuring Don't that. Count on that bad measuring that, cutting that, and then mm. making sure you've got like enough screws and stuff to screw it all in place. And mm. and then you finish all that stuff, and then make some benches, and then you varnish it all at the end. Pick your varnish. <laughs> now, do I want to go for more of like an oaky varnish or a yeah. pine varnish? Yeah, it's nice. I think it's one of those things as well. Like, I remember when I took all of the finish off my um, Gibson Explorer and got it back down to it's like mahogany like and you did that really well and, as well yeah so it's just that like it's something that takes hours and hours and hours and like with the sanding the whole process because i hand sanded it all and didn't didn't like use a machine or anything like that 
it was like a really long arduous process but it's like you almost get into the like the flow state or like the meditation of just doing something over and over again yeah. that's like really like that you can see form in a shape in that and yeah. i reckon that part of like woodwork as well like doing the finishing mm. and all that stuff would be so like satisfying to see it all like shining and like oh just super smooth and wood wood is mm. just beautiful as well it might sound hilarious but one of the things i'm looking forward to doing when i sort of like um finish all my sort of like my little gardening project that i've got on the go at the moment is i'm just looking forward to just like revarnishing my gym because mm. obviously that's sort of like a log cabin isn't it sort of yeah. like style gym and um obviously it needs to be revarnished about once a year because obviously the sun damages the the varnish and everything and then obviously the sun damages it in the summer and then obviously there's all this rainfall we have in Britain in the winter and that's when obviously it can start making the wood go a bit soft and then it can start leaking and stuff. So mm. you really need to make sure you stay on it because it's just like a waterproof barrier essentially, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the more you leave it, the, the more. Wood. Yeah, protects mm. the wood, makes Water sure. Water can get in. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to that because obviously it looks really nice when you've revarnished mm. it. Mm. That must have been an amazing process as well like because you helped build all that, didn't you? Or like you, I did all the donkey work. Yeah, actually. yeah. yeah. So I did that, all the lifting. Just yeah. to see how a whole building is put together like that. Like he was that. like the master builder of it all, obviously. Because, um, mm. you know, obviously I've never like just made a building. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not obviously just not in that trade. Um, but... Stan is like a master builder and like you know he's built loads of buildings across the Quantocks like over the you know obviously he's nowadays he's in like his like mid 80s and like yeah the amount of buildings he's made over the Quantocks and the thing is he's still in such good shape but I think mm. it's really as a testament to that sort of you know lifestyle yeah mm. that lifestyle and also like never really stopping like mm. he's really sensible you know he doesn't just like throw caution to the wind he's not just like non-stop all day every day like I'm sure he would have been a lot more when he was our age but you know He's, he's he's sensible, but he makes sure, you know, he's like greasing the groove, as I say, or like, you know, I say like motion <laughs> is lotion. Like, you know, that's like Stan is a testament Active. to that. Like, you know, so he would like, he would turn up at about like 10, half 10, you know, so it's not like he's like starting work at the crack of dawn, you know, he'd take, mm. you know, probably, you know, sleeping probably half an hour, hour later than he would have done when he was a younger man. You know, he'd have some breakfast in the morning, make his way over sort of like half 10. And then he would probably then, you know, build until half three, four every mm. day um obviously have lunch in the middle and you know he was like methodical you know he wasn't like rushing anything you know and and one thing i th- i thought was really cool as well there were a couple of times when we were doing like the same sort of job and you could tell with me it was almost like my it was almost like my brain was naturally using my brawn over intelligence in that sort of t- tasks right so like um i would just be like more like a bull in a china shop <laughs> And then he was like putting in like one tenth of the effort, but doing stuff in like twice the time of me. And then I was like watching him. It was mm. really interesting. You know, almost it's like decades and decades and decades of experience mm. where he'd obviously just found ways to do things really efficiently with putting in the absolute minimum effort. <laughs> so it was like 100% efficient, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, mainly the thing I'm sort of thinking of is like the, the building that, because we built like a like a log cabin style building, but there was almost like a, a, a slightly smaller stone building there before. It was like this ugly, almost like a little prison block or something. Um, so we like basically had to like demolish like a lot of that building first. We didn't demolish the whole building, but we demolished a lot of it and then sort of built onto it. But um, yeah, I was just like, you know, sledgehammer and chisel, just like, <laughs> and he was just like very, just like, you know, like very just like neat and tidy. And it was like almost like really like, 
I remember like looking over and like, almost immediately just really admiring and respecting that, like thinking mm. like that's so smart. Mm. You know, that's mm. like evolution. If, it, <laughs> if like, I hear it in this point and that point and that point, a whole chunk's just gonna go. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I guess it's like a bit like sport or like anything. Do you know what I mean? It's not necessarily like how hard you hit it mm. or something or whatever it might be. It's like the way. It's yeah, like the technique. 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 Yeah. technique. That's what it's about. Mm. Yeah, technique. That's exactly what it is. It's just technique. But um, yeah, very, very, very fun process. And as I said, it was we were like a perfect team because obviously he had that like freaking, you know, he, he, started, he became a carpenter I think when he was like in his like twenty when he was like twenty or something like that. And then but he grew up on a farm. So up until that point, he was like you know hardcore farmer. So mm. he always had a super physical life. Mm. And this was obviously farming. This was obviously like farming back in like the forties and fifties when he was like a child. So um you know, let's face it, less reliance on, like, machinery as well. Mm. So he had to be stronger. And he's in great shape for his age, man. Mm. Like, great shape, you know. Like, as I said, mid-80s, you know, he's still active now. Oh, like, that's good. He's, mm. he's, 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 like, technically retired, but he still does, like, a little bit of work that's, sort of on the side. That's so good in his 80s. Like, yeah. mm. the only thing keeping my granddad, like, fit when in, in his 80s, because he still did golf at, like, the start yeah. of his 80s, um, but or, or, or to mid eighties, but then as soon as he stopped that, you just saw his like, his like muscles yeah. atrophying and stuff. Well, and, I, mate, it's it's like living leaving a car like too long in the garage though, yeah. Isn't it? And then like, expecting it to start. Well, it's mm. like well, it's not. It's got rusty piston it's just, rings. It's gotten almost like too used to being sedentary. Yeah, you know, mm. it's, it's just you just sat there, and then it's like you know. Is it going to start? You don't really know. Even mm. if it does start, you know, how deflated are the tyres? Yeah. Let's face it, something under the hood might need replacing. Need to grease that groove, baby. Yeah, grease the groove. Motionless mm. lotion, baby. <laughs> I think, as I said, it doesn't mean you have to be, like, going crazy every day, like, living your life like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Brock Lesnar. Do you know what mm. I mean? But it's just, like, that consistency. active. It's more like consistency. Yeah. yeah. Consistency, consistency of, is king. Consistency of movement. Mm. You know, consistency mm-hmm. of movement, you know. And then balancing that with rest and balancing that with good food, you know? Mm. And as I said, I think Stan's a great example. Like, he doesn't eat like a freaking athlete, but he, on the whole, he eats pretty healthy. And obviously, he's always grown his own vegetables. So, obviously, the vegetables he eats are always very healthy. I'm, I'm sure at least the majority of his life, um, most of the animal like food he was eating would have been from, like, local farms around mm. Denmore and Spaxton and mm. that sort of way. Especially when he was a young lad. And, like, mm. you know, fresh dairy probably from, oh, like, cows he had right so there. So, it's good like, for you, like man. raw milk mm. and stuff like that. I know a lot of people nowadays are really big proponents of, like, raw milk. Mm. Um, and, and the health benefits of having like proper raw milk you know straight from the udder baby not literally like <laughs> sucking the udders obviously I'm not going that weird but like you know pop, you know, straight for, out of the bucket <laughs> and um, you know so to think just he had that mixture of that but you know he's still I mean I know him well enough to know that you know he, he loves having like a, his biscuits with his tea yeah you know, he'll have a cup of tea and he'll have a, bit, a couple of biscuits and he'll, and he'll always have like say like a, um, a spoonful of sugar in his tea or but it's like I think when you're as active as Stan, you can get away with that. Mm. Because it's like I, I, I've said, um, and I've definitely said it to you before, Andrew, I've probably said it in, in general, but, um, you know, obviously the only time really that like really fast digesting carbohydrates are, do come in handy is when you're doing something very, very physically mm. arduous. Mm. That's why obviously like it's for like endurance athletes and also, well, and, and for like things like um, high intensity athletes as well, like powerlifters and that, it's like why people have sports drinks. Because mm. essentially it's like, really quickly to get in your system yeah it's Mm. like glucose isn't it Mm. or something so it's it's like gets in your system real quickly because your blood sugar levels have plummeted um, and that's one of the things that makes you feel really tired and Mm. stuff when you're training and then you have that and you're like and you power back up again because it gets straight into your system you haven't got time to like eat oats and then wait three hours for it to digest you know what I mean it's like right you need that instant hit so I think you know that's it's just a perfect balance you know Mm. you'll have a bit of cake every now and again you know, mm. he'd have like a bit, of, bit of, you know, just one one sugar in his tea and like a, a few biscuits every day. But the rest of it is like mm. fresh veg, 
you know, fresh meat and like old school British dishes, you know what I mean? Which is essentially just combinations of just like vegetables, potatoes, and then either like a, some sort of like fish and meat with some sort of sauce, probably mm. gravy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? yeah that's like, it, man. And then nice a bit and of, simple, nice bit of, and, bit of fish and nice chips. Nice and tasty. Every, yeah, a bit of fish and chips mm-hmm. every now and again. Yeah. I know it's like one of the things that we always like joke, it's almost just like, they just both of them like Wendy and Sanders like love just like chicken and chips <laughs> but it's like you know there's in, in the long run there's a lot worse than you could do than just chicken and chips yeah especially if you're having lots of fresh vegetables every now mm. and again you know nice and I think it's those um those skills that that kind of are lost a little bit with the technology and everything and mm. the way that it, it'd be it's I loved the, the thought of like that being really practical and knowing how to do things like that you know like it'd be cool you know if the lights went out if the if the electricity yeah. went off like mm. you know you'd need people like that around you to, to to know how to survive in in just you know what well, i mean let's face it, right if if there was like um if say like there was like uh a, with the volcanoes on the planet erupted right now or like there was a big meteor impact or whatever let's face it it wouldn't be the um it wouldn't be like the people that work in offices and the people that are in television and media and stuff that survived, would it? It mm. would be, it would be the builders and it yeah, would be the, the people, practical people. <laughs> it would be, it would be, um, yeah, like carpenters and people that work, you know, soldiers, you know, mm. people that work in the army, you know, mm. people at Bear Grylls, people like Stan. It would be like very practical people that know how to make basic stuff to survive. You know, you'd need obviously you need fresh water. You need how to grow. Yeah, again, as someone like Stan, a great example, you know, you need to know how to grow food. Yeah. Make your I mean. own food. Yeah. Grow vegetables. You need to know how to farm mm. on a small scale, obviously, because it would be like Build suddenly, things. Yeah. You understand need, how a toilet system works. Yeah. Build, <laughs> build some sort of structure that would be safe from the elements for you and your family. You need to know how you need to be able to completely self-sufficient. You can't go to the supermarket anymore. Um, there's no popping down a co-op. You know, you need to be able to grow your food. You know, you need to know how to, you know, get food safely. That's going to be good for you to eat. You need to make sure that you have water. You know, so all those procedures will have to be put in place. And if you can't do that, then you're just going to die. Mm. <laughs> like, and like Graham <laughs> Hancock says, like it, when you look at the, um, you look at the Earth from outer space at yeah. night, and all the places that all, all of the lights that you can see, like if it it'd be all the places where you can't see lights, all the people living in those areas, mm-hmm. they would be the people that would survive any kind of like. Mm. It would be the descendants of those thing. those earlier on in the show you were talking about, like mm. Amazon tribe and that. It would mm. be the descendants of the Amazon tribe that would have weird stories that saying like, oh yeah, thousands of years ago, our ancestors said that these crazy beings would come to us every now and again in the forest from these faraway magical lands mm. where they had yeah things yeah. when they had giant birds that they would fly on in the sky mm. and. They had like magic powers that harnessed electricity and stuff like that. And it would almost be like, you know, the descendants of that world that would be the future big mm. civilization would almost think, oh, yeah, it was some crazy tale. Mm. Yeah. From, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Some made up story about being visited by like elves or something. Mm-hmm. People but in the future like, will be looking back to people like us, like, are they the aliens? That's, they that's the, obviously one of the things. The ones that, that visited? Yeah, mm. that's it. That's one of the things, obviously, that lands, that puts more and more credence, isn't it, to the whole like, you know, Atlantis was real theory. Because obviously, the idea is nowadays, we we know that there was like an extinction level event that was mm-hmm. previously sort of like not known of that happened about 12,000 years ago, roughly mm. between 10 and 12,000 years ago. Um, and we can see that from lots of things. A, a like boulders that are like hundreds of tons um, in terms it's of being in the middle of that like, were, were, mm. have, have were like moved clearly by flood water, wa- flood mm-hmm. water in places like Colorado in America. Mm. Um, and also there's lots of other things as well, but. Nowadays, don't they? They think that you know maybe there was a real possibility that there was um, 
you know, let's face it, if Homo sapiens have been around for, they, people think, I think it's been pushed back a little bit further. I, I, a couple of years ago, if you asked me, I think the most accurate um, thing at the time of like Homo sapiens as we are now evolved was 200,000 years ago. But I think I read something a couple of months ago saying they might have pushed that back to about 300,000 years wow. ago. Mm. But let's just say, I'm not 100%, 100% sure. Gap. But let's mm. say between two and 300,000 years ago, Homo sapiens mm. um, evolved. I think there's a hell of a lot of um, a, a, a gap in our understanding of that. So if it's just mm. like, okay, so say um, we know that... Um, Gobekli Tepe and stuff like that um, um, are what about ten thousand years old? Yeah, been, well, her, were buried ten thousand yeah. years ago. Yeah, so, so it's who like, knows okay, how long so, they were there before that? And 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 obviously a lot of that wasn't even unearthed. And I think it was um, the the government of was it Iran? It was Iran, I think. Gobekli Tepe is in Iran, isn't it? Turkey is it in Turkey? Mm. Okay, um, yeah. So I think for so for whatever reason, their government um, got a bit funny about it recently, and I think they asked them to bury it again, didn't they? Um, they did. They just stopped excavating it. I don't know if they asked them to bury it again, but it's, I think it, I might have heard it's, that. It's, yeah. it's, it's the actual site is huge. They know so they've there's got much one bit it, yeah. in the middle, mm, yeah. and then you look around it, and and it go, it's like it's like a massive thing. There's loads of bits that are just not unearthed. Yeah, you know? yeah, that was my main point. My yeah. main point was obviously that a lot of it hasn't even been unearthed, but we know that it was like a massive site. But mm. even if we say, even if, which is a very very big if, if that was like the first big site, say on the planet ten thousand years ago, think. The fact that anywhere between 190,000 to 290,000 years of, his, of of Homo sapien history before that is just like, oh, what, we're just hunter-gatherers. Mm. Or imagining that. That's like, you know, it's it's, it's a lot of... It's a, I mean, talk about the Dark Ages. Obviously, mm. Dark Ages, like, traditionally is obviously known as sort of that period between the Romans leaving Britain and then sort of... Um, um, and then sort of um, around the time of like, Alfred the Great or something like that. Mm. But... Um, but I mean, talk about dark ages. That mm. to me is the real dark ages yeah. because it's like that's so much of a question mark of like, well, what happened in that mm. time? You know, so when you think of like how many times meteors have hit the Earth as well, yeah. like because yeah. it does make sense. The more you look into it, the fact that there's that that shower that of the toroid shower, or whatever of, of like meteors that that come round every however many years, yeah, and they just keep going round and round the Earth, and like the Earth actually like passes through them. And we've got all of these ones that have hit the earth in the in the past that we know about with the dinosaurs or the ones we, you know, th- this one that's supposed to have hit America, but it was all covered in ice at the time. So there's no there's no like um, actual uh, like meteor impact it crater because it would have just ice. hit the ice and then just melted Melody everything. Ice, and that's yeah. what caused the Great Flood. Like, you know, and, and that, know, that kind of makes sense to me. And we, that that, yeah. that could have happened all over the earth. At the, well, we at know that obviously that the, the we know that the earth was going through an ice age. Um, mm sort of between ten and 12,000 years ago. That's why, obviously, um, you see all those pictures and books and then documentaries, and there's that sort of typical hunter-gatherer type human in, like, sort of animal furs hunting, like, worthy mammoths in the snow. Mm. Obviously, the reason why it's always in the snow is because, yeah, it was the Ice Age. It was an Ice Age of time. And it doesn't mean that the whole Earth would have been under ice, mm. but obviously... Big parts of it. Yeah, when you go through an Ice Age, obviously, it goes much further down to the equator than it would be, say, now. Mm. But obviously, at the moment, we have, like so many hundreds or maybe i don't know even thousands of miles of ice like around the north and the south pole and obviously as it gets you know goes in towards the equator more you suddenly you know it's cold 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 warmer 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 obviously it's hottest around the equator that's why like south america and africa and places like that's obviously so hot um compared to us who are obviously a very northern country obviously scandinavia even more so obviously pretty obvious stuff really isn't it but yeah um as you said, Drew, yeah, that's why there wouldn't necessarily be the same 
um, obvious tell signs of a like, meteor, like with the K2 extinction, yeah. the one that killed the dinosaurs. Obviously, at the time during the Cretaceous period, it was a very hot period on Earth. Um, and you can go and see the K2 crater nowadays. It's four kilometers long. Mm. The impact crater is four kilometers long. I think that's massive. Mm. You know? And just um, look up at the moon and look at those marks on the moon, like of all yeah, those. All, you can kind of see them. Yeah. That's all just crater impacts. And uh, like, you know, I'm sure we've talked about this before, impacts. but if you want to get really, really spinny, that the reason why the moon was um, created in the first place was because they think that um, an ex- like. An extremely long time ago, like I think it's even billions of years ago, um, there was a massive um, clash Impact, yeah. between. I can't remember. I think it was yeah, basically between almost like two planets, um, and they smashed into each other. And a large part of that planet, let's just call it a planet. I don't know if it hundred percent if it was a planet. It might have just been an insanely massive like asteroid, like mm. insanely that was like t- ten times bigger than me. I don't know. But either way, this massive. Um, thing from space crashed into the earth and then a lot of it ended up sort of like merging with the earth and then what was left got caught in what is now the not what we now know as the earth's gravitational pull and then just ended up orbiting the earth and that's what the moon is mm. that is literally what the mm. moon is it was originally just like this massive object that smashed into the earth i said a lot of that object ended up sort of absorbing into the earth and becoming like one you know making the earth a bigger and then what's left over became our moon and obviously orbits us as we orbit the sun. I think even that is pretty amazing, isn't mm. it? You know. Mm. So even that, you know, our Earth itself, it's almost like already like a conglomeration of mm. of several giant space things. And mm. that, and that with the with like the Great Flood or the Ice Age becoming not the Ice Age, and I you know, thinking about how much more of the Earth was above sea level than it is now and stuff. That really interests me. Like to think that all this hidden history that we don't know about. Sorry, um, I mean below sea is, level. Sorry, it? yeah, is 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 all below sea level, like yeah. you know, well, like, because because the waters rise, hasn't it? And Pangaea yeah. and the fact that it was all linked, and yeah. you know, talking about like where Malta was and how Malta was connected to whatever part it was, and well, that you could work, that yeah, that you could just you you could walk from like halfway across the world where now there's just all this sea in between, and that's why there's peep that there's like um, uh, evidence of like people uh, yeah. using the same kind of like historical technology in that from. Both places, but how could they have got to each other? It's because it predates the 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 water. Well, isn't the Bering? Isn't you know? I'm pretty sure it's called the Bering Strait, isn't it? It's how um, people the what are now Native Americans. I'm pretty sure it's the Bering Strait. Um, if I'm wrong, then there's somebody out there that's like you idiots. <laughs> Bering Strait. But anyway, I'm pretty sure the Bering Strait is the one where what basically where like ancient ancient what we would now know as Asians, I think, crossed the Bering Strait into what is now North America, mm. and that's basically what the ancestors of Native American people. That's and crazy, so like, isn't but it? But it was like when you could literally walk yeah. from Asia mm, to North yeah. America. And it's, a, and it's the same, obviously, <laughs> with, that mad. And it's the same, obviously, with our country, with the UK. Obviously, we're now landlocked. Yeah. People back in those days didn't have boats to travel across, or at least we don't think they did. Mm. What, we de- what we know is that, obviously, there would have been a time where, like, UK would have been just, like, would have been, um, would have been, you know, you could have walked from... Conjointed. You could have walked to... Denmark or France mm. or or the, or the Netherlands. I love that. So it would have just been yeah a bigger continent. And as you said, Drew, you go back even towards the dinosaur times. Um, I can't remember when it started breaking up. I'm pretty sure by the Cretaceous period there was no longer one supercontinent. I can't remember if it was the Jurassic or the Triassic that was the last time that Pangaea was one supercontinent. But yeah, there was one original supercontinent. Obviously now we have lots of different continents. We obviously have like Europe, Africa, all the different ones. But um. Yeah, it would have been one supercontinent called Pangaea, and you could have walked to 
anywhere on the earth. Just walked <laughs> anywhere. so mad. I mean, obviously it would take a very long time. Yeah. But yeah, the I mean... The different cycles that the earth's been yeah. through and, the, and like, you know, just what... When things happen over such a long period of time as well, like the changes are very gra- gradual with like animals yeah, becoming extinct and things like that. But if you, when you like go out on a big enough span, like yeah. how different it must have looked, how different it must have been. Yeah. And that, and that does really interest me to think that there's this whole unwritten, un, unknown history of yeah. humankind yeah, that, we just, mm. that we're going to maybe yeah. rediscover. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, obviously time is very relative. And in like a one, say, one human's lifespan, which is the only thing that any of us can measure it by, there's not really enough going on. <laughs> say, even in 100 years, which is obviously the upper limit of a human lifespan, no, nothing that big can happen that's going to make that's necessarily going to turn your head. Mm. But obviously, mm. with all the knowledge we have of history, whether it's through our knowledge of geology textbooks, whatever, mixing all this stuff together, archaeology, paleontology, we get in this picture and then you can see it and suddenly and obviously over the course of literally hundreds of millions of years and then you can go, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like this stuff is changing but it's just mm. changing obviously so slowly. Yeah, and, and to but us, the changes are huge but yeah. because it's so slow it just seems gradual and like normal. Well, it's, it's like they've obviously, they nowadays call it Doggerland but it's like, um, which is a hilarious name by the way. I mean, <laughs> Doggerland. Was it, everyone was just dogging there but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's that whole area sort of just between um, essentially the east coast of England and like Denmark where that would have all just been linked. And apparently that whole sea in between Denmark and and the east coast of the of the UK, um, there's just pottery and old settlements mm. and human bones mm. all under the on the seabed, like pretty much non-stop from where like, yeah, before the last ice age or whatever. Don't know if it was before the last ice age. It might have been during and before. I don't know exactly when it, the Duggerland got swallowed up by, by the water. Probably was at the end of the last, um, yeah, because of mm. that extinction event. That we now still not hundred percent confirmed, but it's looking Lots more and more evidence. increasingly evidence, and it, the evidence is almost it's almost becoming undeniable, mm. isn't it? Anybody that's interested in it, looking up the work the, the work of Randall Carlson, especially, mm-hmm. um, he's really like the big don, and I, I, what a lovable guy as well, mm-hmm. great guy, any Randall big Carlson, teddy bear, he yeah, is. he's like a giant, big, hairy teddy bear, <laughs> Mate, massive I still geologist. Like, man. He, last Love time him. he was on Joe Rogan, he was talking about um, all this free energy stuff. That, this that, free energy, that, that, master, like, I'm working closely with Master, uh, yeah. Master of um, Mate, and he was like, and I remember him saying in January it was going to like. He's going to get the okay to talk about it and everything and go deep into it. And he hasn't been back on yet, but I can't yeah. wait until the next one because he's actually going to give examples of this yeah, free yeah. energy I stuff. I know, it's, mm. and it's just going to be straight up Nikolai Tesla stuff. Mm. We're going to leave it there just for a second, guys. Um, we're going to listen to a couple of tracks, but we will be back in a minute. Uh, so stick around. You will open Pandora's box many times in your life. No, we probably really shouldn't open that box. Look, I've got one rule here. here. Yeah, we were talking uh, just quickly, briefly on... Well, quick, quickly, briefly? No, actually, we're talking quickly or briefly. We're talking very, <laughs> in depth, very in depth. For a very long time. About, but essentially, just like the history of the world um, in, in various ways. We were mm-hmm. finishing off talking about, weren't we, about Randall Carlson, mm. his sort of work on um, the extinction event um, that we reckon happened, sort of that. Essentially, I think you could probably say... Um, I don't think it would be wrong to say probably ended the last Ice Age event. Probably. Yeah, that is crazy. Melted all the ice and <sighs> got to us to where we are. Raised sea levels, got to us where, where we are now. Mm. Um, and almost like the Earth, the globe as we would see it mm. now, the world map as we would see it now. Mm. Obviously, the water levels have still gradually risen there then. Um, obviously, we do know that there are like um, 
in places like um i can't remember if it's uh, i think it's croatia uh might be tunisia you can see um no i think it's croatia you can there's some like old like roman uh buildings essentially that are sort of like half in the sea and half out mm. and also there's um how much do you know about like the uh, like Egyptian the entire Egyptian towns and stuff that are underwater? Do you know much Whoa, about that? No, and I've heard about ones in Whoa. Japan as well. The, uh, yeah, mm. they're fascinating. The ones I find most interesting are the Greek ones. I'm trying to remember. The, I'm sorry, the the Egyptian ones. I do I do uh, beg your pardon. The most interesting one. Oh, what's its name? Um, uh, Heraklion. That's mm. it. Heraklion mm. has been submerged in water for a thousand years, cool. right? But it's this whole entire, um, like, ancient Egyptian settlement that, like, if you put on your scuba gear, Damn. you can just go. And imagine how almost, like, eerie, but mm. almost, like... That'd be so almost, cool to do. Almost it would seem like you were in a different dimension. Mm. I think you're, like, under the water, but you're you're somehow just, like, swimming through this entire town with, like... With like ancient Egyptian statues mm. of like all their old gods, mm. so back and, and this is what blows my mind about like things changing like that. That there's these whole periods of history that are just completely like underwater now compared to what you knew. Yeah, and like now from now on, where we have the technology now, unless like computers, like like kind of um, it something happens and we don't have them anymore. So many things have been documented mm. about our life now and everything. Like there's never going to be a time in human history again if if the technology just doesn't get completely yeah, yeah, wiped yeah. out where this memory is just never saved for like more people that that, that you know yeah. are born into that like, almost like we finally reached a save point of yeah but like all of those thousands history. of years and everything all we have are just like the statues and, and your imagination of what mm. life would have been like then I would oh, love sorry. to imagine being able to dive through that place yeah. that so are, cool, we, are we linked man. up yeah man yeah so for anybody that's um, listening oh, on the radio, if you go if you go on um, YouTube or Spotify, we we have the video of um of, of the pod, not just audio but the video as well. So we're getting up some some uh, images of of Heraklion, Thonis Heraklion is its full name. But yeah, look at some of these pictures. Look at that ancient Egyptian tablet just mm. next to that scuba diver, old um other like Egyptian like hairs. Look at these statues, man. So cool, isn't it? And you just you can just go and swim along these man. I would I, I tell you what I would love to do that. Yeah, I would proper love. It would almost seem. Little, I thought he was like groping a booby then for a <sighs> yeah. second. He's like getting a little feel, you know. He's touching her heart. He almost like looks like he's like dogging her out there. And that mm. almost looks like, look. That's like a mini statue of mm. um, you know, um, Sphinx. That mm. almost looks like a little copy of the Sphinx or something. Doesn't I would it? I would actually love to be able to go back in time and just see what it was like with the people mm, and like yeah. oh my god. Look, it's like Insane. they've got like massive straps around it. They're off, they've obviously, I think they've obviously dredged some up to put mm. in museums and other places, which is obviously pretty cool. Um, hopefully, not almost that a- floor as well. Like he's, oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, like oh, that. I think that might be a different one. Ah, okay. I reckon from the marbling, I reckon that's more likely to be. That looks more Roman to me. Mm. Um, but this looks like a pretty interesting article. This is five underwater underwater cities from right. around the world. This is from a BBC article. Um, this is, it says, um, I don't know how you pronounce this, um, like, Baie? Baie? It's like B-A-I-A, oh yeah, it would be Roman then. Mm. B-A-I-A-E-S. Stunning mosaics under threat from marine life, which are able to break down the material. Such hooligans, those fish, mm. aren't they, you know? Oh yeah, Baie, Italy. One, once a party town for the ancient Romans, Baie was famous for its soothing hot springs, pleasant, pleasant weather, and extravagant <laughs> buildings. Julius Caesar and imagine. Nero... Both had luxury holiday villas there. And now the em- it's just under the water. It's crazy, isn't it? And the Emperor Hadrian actually died in the city. Wow, obviously Hadrian. That's uh, obviously our Hadrian's, Hadrian's wall fame. Mm. Um, obviously big ties to the UK. 
Unfortunately, it was the same volcanic activity which created the famous thermal springs that led to Baez's downfall. The city was built atop the Campi Flegre, um, a super volcano close to Naples. Over time, a process known as Bradyacism has occurred in which the ground level has slowly sunk between four and six metres, bringing much of the city underwater. Wow. Mm. I find it really interesting with all the places that are around now that will be underwater, mm. like mm. not even yeah. too soon from now. Like my yeah. parents were just at the Maldives, mm. but I'm pretty sure the whole of the Maldives is going to be like underwater like very soon. Yeah, well, and I, there's I, just not really anything well, they mate, can do. Even closer to home, I remember. Um, obviously, we t- I took the house off the market. We decided to stay put, but we were looking at um, some houses in in Cummich, um, when we were, which is like a little um, village, which is right next to um, an estuary, um, close to where we live in Somerset. And uh, I don't know how I don't know how much of this is true and how much of it is 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 just sort of like you know rubbish. Mm. But I mean, even people were being oh, you want to be careful of that because like apparently some people say that like in like twenty years, Cummins is going to be having like savage flooding, mm. Mm. like and then eventually could just be like underwater. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa! I mean, I said that might Crazy. just be one of those weird things where like somebody's grand made that up and it's mm. made the rounds. But it's definitely uh, happening. Said, it could be true. Yeah. yeah, let's face it. it the could only be constant true. is change. Yeah, baby. And, yeah, um, I like I, that. And <laughs> as I said, you know, you know, the same way that as I said, you, literally, it's just like pottery and old settlements and bones all the way to freaking Denmark under the sea and mm. to the Netherlands mm. under the sea. It's like, well, it is slowly creeping up the water level. You know, um, that's why a lot of people, I think, are, you know, deliberately almost like don't live coastal because mm. in a way, mm. it's like think if you have a really nice lush house say in like Cornwall mm. that's like right on a cliff face overlooking the sea and a beach yeah it's beautiful but I mean you never really know where that when that cliff top's just going to give yeah. way and fall into the ocean and then mm. you're like what either you could even be dead <laughs> like in the worst <laughs> case or imagine you just got home and like half your house has just gone into water like, it's definitely a timer on that isn't there, there did, is a, that's a nightmare situation did I tell it? you about Insurance. that time when we were like at, um, we walked from uh, we were, walked from uh, Lilstock to, to um, up past Kilve up to Blue Anchor right. all up like along a coastal walk along there got to like um, um, but by like uh, this part like near Blue Anchor basically right. where there's like a waterfall and you're like right on the edge of the cliffs and the sea and everything like that and we mm. met this like weird storyteller lady and she just said can I can I um, can I practice telling you my story like she was going to do it to some cameras right. or something and I had my camera there so I like filmed it for her and that it was like really weird situation but she <laughs> stood up by the edge of this cliff and I started um, and we sat down and watched this story and everything and then all of a sudden behind her, the cliff just started crumbling. And I'd never experienced something like that in my life. And it was lit. What? And she like papped herself. I papped myself. Everyone papped themselves and was just like, what the hell? And it just yeah. like loads of rubble just crashed to the floor and everything. And like, what? And like, you've like we- got this on video? Of her just like telling a story and then it just all crumbling oh, behind might, her. I, no, I don't think I. I don't think I did video it for her. I think she was right. telling me about that she was videoing it. Right, right. And right. I didn't video it. Or we just watched. We just kind of. We just kind of sat there watching. And um, but it was like mental. You mm. know, we were just like whoa, like one of these things. And it went, yeah. went from like went from being this nice little storytelling thing to actually being like we could have died then because if we were like five meters like more in front it would have just like the rocks would have just landed on us mm. and it's yeah, like every year whoa. people get injured in like little rock falls at the beach. I remember, mm. I remember um was it I think it was Kilve I think it was Kilve that we went to as well oh no no St Audrey's it was St Audrey's Bay um we went to about like five years ago and um at the time they just well we went to go there and then it was just all cordoned off because like the day before there had been like a massive rock fall mm. and like several people had like been 
hospitalized not Ooh. like not like life threatening but like i had like broken bones where mm. they were like, like sort of relaxing close to the and then mm. like suddenly rocks just giving away and they were obviously hit by like essentially Jesus. like massive boulders and just like almost like crushed um and it was like yeah basically for safety the beach is just cordoned off because mm. it was just too dangerous like the walk down to the beach was just too dangerous but yeah just to give um just going back to um thonis heracli in a minute just because i thought it'd be interesting to give you guys a little bit of um background yeah it just says um Frequently mentioned in ancient legends, Thonis Heraklion was supposedly the place where the Greeks, where the Greek hero Heracles, or Hercules as we, he's more commonly known, first set foot in Egypt, and somewhere the lovers Paris and, Hel- and Helen visited before the Trojan War. Thonis, obviously Paris, played by um, Orlando Boom in oh, um, yeah. the movie, um, Troy. Um, Thonis is originally Egyptian name for the city, where whilst Heraklion is the Greek name. Okay, so Thonis it was originally known as by the uh, ancient Egyptians in honour of Heracles, located at the western mouth of the River Nile. The Nile's a fascinating place, isn't it? Mm. Something like, something I always find a bit fascinating about the, the Nile, whether it's in, um, you know, obviously all those, like, uh, like I'm pretty sure even in Creeping Death by Metallica they mentioned the Nile, because mm. obviously they were inspired to re- write that, weren't they? James Hetfield and Cliff Burton wrote that mm-hmm. after they were learning all about the whole, you know, Moses versus Ramesses II. You know, basically what that movie with Christian Bale was all about? Yeah, We I'm watched really it together, what... didn't No, we oh. watched it together, <laughs> I hear you like, oh, no, I didn't watch that. We literally watched it together, mate. Yeah, my memory. I was it was like a few years ago, and mm-hmm. we had like a roast dinner together. Oh, and we watched it around mine. Okay. What's it called? Do you know which one you're on about, mate? I, is oh, it one with the mask? The so golden mask. Christian Bell like the, um, the, the, there was a, one of the emperors or something had the, had this disease, and he was all No, you're on about golden. Kingdom of Heaven. Ah, That's yeah. about the Crusades. Ah, yeah. I'm on about, um, it's, it's where Christian Bale plays Moses. It's called, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it's like Christian Bale plays Moses. There's Ramesses, and it's the whole tale of like you know the mm. what do they call it? Like the the plagues of Egypt or whatever it's called, mm. or the trials of you know where right. basically it's like the, the locusts and the river yeah. of red and all and that like the, stuff. The, the, yeah, the river went red because the crocodiles just like att- suddenly attacked all the Egyptians mm. and stuff. And it's like that's what Creeping Death and Metallica songs about. Cool. Mm. James Hetfield and Cliff Burton um, were reading about it in school or something mm. or, or in college. I can't remember exactly which. And they thought it was a badass tale, so they writ Creeping Death about it. Mm. Exodus? Like, Exodus, that's it. That's why it's like the lyrics, Creeping Death, are like, Slaves, they were born to serve mm. to the Pharaoh. Mm. He do his every word mm. and live in fear. And then mm. it's all about, you know, Creeping Death. It's like the whole, like, you know, it's, it's like the... You know, the, I guess like the, the Jewish God is like, and, and the angel of death and that are like coming for the mm. Egyptian people for like enslaving and, and, and like brutalizing the, the Jewish people. Like that's, well, I think that's, that's interesting. That's so cool that Metallica's written a song about that. Mm. And it's like proper accurate as well, like all the story in it as well. That like you can mm. tell they really did their homework. That's awesome. That's amazing. With um, Egypt as well, wasn't it along the Nile and everything? Like when, you, if you go back long enough, it would have all been like like pastures and like proper yeah. like 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 but it would green, have been luscious. luscious fields. Yeah. And a lot mm. of the reasons why they had their cities there and, and everything yeah. along it was just Water because source, it was yeah. so abundant and so. Like, yeah. that's mad to think that when you think of how like arid and dry mm. it is now. Yeah. And, like, yeah, well, I yeah. think even just a couple of thousand years ago, they think that obviously Egypt would have been a lot more luscious than it was now. Mm. Let me type Oasis in like, is everywhere. River mm. Nile. Um, reconstruction or something like that like a uh, river nile so we can get some pictures for the for the uh for our for the listenership for our mm-hmm. peeps river nile um past reconstruction something like that yeah but we've had like for lack of a better word like palm trees or palm tree looking stuff and reconstruct like florida yeah almost like sandy and 
but with like lots of trees and also lots of greenery. Yeah, like they reckon it would look a bit like this. Look, yeah, says, look, look at that. Ku- so Khufu cool. branch of Riven of Nile River once flowed close enough to Giza to carry the stones needed to build the pyramids. But yeah, like this is what it would look more like. So yeah, you know, still sandy, but with lots of greenery, mm. lots of lush water. Whereas obviously, I mean, look at that now. That's yeah. like obviously a picture nowadays. Super arid. But yeah, this is another reconstruction. Look. The, the Nile, how one river helped build a civilization. As you can see, yep, luscious water. As I said, still quite arid, but mixed in with lots of greenery, lots of water, you know. Like, look how much different that looks. Is that like an aerial view of it? What's this? Nile Delta Google Earth image. Um, I don't know. I think this might just be a Google image, a Google Earth image of, of, of the River Nile. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, very interesting, isn't it? Hmm. Oh, look, this is... This looks like this is Memphis, Egypt today. So even there, like you can see, there's still you can you can see almost like little glimmers of what you could imagine it would have looked like in the past, mm. can't you? Very interesting. What there a place. But yeah, I think the Nile. Talk about a river with a lot of history. Mm. The amount of Romans, Greeks, um, Egyptian vessels that would have like I mean they always they're always dredging, aren't they? Like even like Roman vessels mm. that would like in that because obviously Rome conquered Egypt, didn't they? Mm. Um, and you know Julius Caesar. That's obviously the whole thing. Like Julius Caesar and Cleopatra were like lovers, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at that point, Julius Caesar sort of like Cleopatra was the queen of Egypt, but it was it was it was essentially owned by by mm. Rome. Um, and she also um, had a love affair with uh, Mark Antony, who was the head general of Rome as well. Um, I can't remember which one came first. I think Mark Antony and then Julius Caesar. But um, yeah, so um, the amount of like even Roman vessels that get dredged up. And, uh, you know, just, and I know you'll hear every now and again, they found like 4,000 Roman coins, like a hoard of 4,000 Roman coins. And then all these like Greek things, sorry, Egyptian things that would like, they were taken obviously back to Rome, but then for whatever reason, like the, the vessels sunk and that. But really fascinating stuff, isn't it? Mm. So interesting. I though. hope it's all still in the Akashic records of the universe somewhere. Mm. It can still be like seen as, <laughs> as, as you know, because I, I do, I find it so, 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 so sad that like, that you, I, I just can't see it or feel what it was yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. if you get like really spacey with it, if you believe in reincarnation and stuff like that, may, maybe we lived lives mm. like through those times right. and in yeah. our DNA, in our ancestors. You're going in straight up in our, Creed, our, baby. Yeah, man. <laughs> exactly, exactly, man. Like I, I really like hope and wish that there's a part of that that is true and those memories are locked yeah. up in there somewhere. Whether you know? like, I mean... We know in it depends, like I guess how how deep you want to go with it. But we know that in some elements of it are true. Like the re- the whole reason why like humans, you know, you're born with a natural safe fear of certain animals, are mm. because Better like through genetics. generations and generations and generations and generations. Yeah, it's like coded in your DNA, say to jump when you see a snake or a certain type of spider. Because Back even when we were like Homo erectus before Homo sapiens evolved, and you know Homo erectus obviously was the first upright like um, uh, hominid that walked on two feet. Like let's face it, in Africa there would have been spiders and snakes. If they bit you, you could potentially die, mm. especially in those days. Obviously, no anti venom or anything like that. Um, so it's almost locked in our DNA. Like oh, you know that's why people today, even in Britain, it's like look, we know that like ninety nine point nine percent of spider species in the UK either can't bite us or a bite would be like wouldn't even do you any damage mm. there's like a, i think there's like i think there's four species of spider in the uk that could that would cause you a painful bite only two of which would be like anything really to write home about and one of them the worst is an invasive species so it's not even native but even as like british people that you know, our ancestors have been living here for thousands of years most likely 
we still do it. The amount mm. of people that mm. uh, like jump or like get freaked out when you see a spider, and it's like you know, so in a way, it's almost irrational. Mm. But it's that thing. It's in our DNA. It's, it's in our... And in that way, it is a bit like what we were saying about the Assassin's Creed thing. It's mm. like, well, that's almost like a story or like something that's in our genes, in our DNA makeup, in, in our code, which is almost like, okay, be afraid of this. Or So, I mean, I guess if you wanted to like hypothesize, I mean, who knows what other weird stuff or if there's like on a deeper level, things like that. You know, if you like saw someone and you thought, I don't like them for some reason, then you found out that a thousand years ago at the Battle of Hastings, their ancestor freaking murked your ancestor mm. or something. It's, it's and really interesting. you somehow carry that bitterness or something. Yeah. You know? I wonder if, like, because bio, biologically, I, you know, we don't know, like, we know parts about how our brain works now, our body works and stuff like that, but whether everything is recorded, whether everything we do biologically on some level with our DNA and everything, mm. because consciously we only know so much, yeah. but unconsciously there's a lot of things going on that mm. it's almost like we can't, see or know everything at one time because it'd be completely overwhelming mm. but there's like recesses of your brain stuff that you don't even think about that are still there yeah. and can be cool you know when you can think of something that you haven't thought about for years or you see someone you smell something and then all of a sudden brings back this memory and it's like well it was stored there but i haven't thought about it for 10 years yeah, so, like smell so is where the was that one, yeah. you know like where, yeah. where where's that bit in your biological like makeup mm. that where is that stored and if that is the case for everything, like everything is stored, every thought, every like feeling Mate, and stuff, I, you know then then like, you know, and yeah. in your DNA, you're made up of your ancestors and all their memories yeah. are stored. Maybe it, maybe we do have it all there somewhere. There's a, there's a couple of things that I thought of when you were saying that then. And like one of them is, do you remember when I was telling you guys um, that it's like a scientific fact nowadays that like what you're doing around the time that you conceive your child will have an impact on them. And I was saying that like, so yeah, literally like if you, you and your out, partner yeah. are working out around mm. the time of conception, it's a fact now that your child will grow up naturally to be a better athlete than they would have been if you weren't. Mm. I find that super interesting. That's mm. almost like evolution in in process. In but, like, but literally, like, how you can affect that, mm. I mean, literally in one generation. Mm. I find that fascinating. Mm. You know, you can literally almost, like, make a super athlete just by you and your partner just, like, caning it, like, working out all the time around the time of conception. Mm. I don't know how long you'd have to do it beforehand. Obviously, I guess the more consistent and the longer you've been doing it, probably the, the better. But I just love that idea. I, I think that's amazing. So in that regard, we know that's a fact now. Mm. So that's similar to what you were saying. And also, but it did make me think as well, what you were saying about the, the recall from like something. Last night, for some reason, um, um, both, both Mia and Em, like we had to do, we were sort of like doing odd little bits of work, but while we were sort of chilling out after, after dinner. So I thought, oh, I'm going I'm to put on some music videos because it's like you get to enjoy the music then, but then you're not so distracted as if you put on something on the telly. Yeah, and you're just going to go like deep into it. <laughs> yeah, and then for some reason I just thought, oh, I'll put on something that we both sort of equally quite like. So I, I was putting on um, like some, so, so I put on some Kate Bush, but um, then it was like going through just automatically. My YouTube was going through just all like Kate Bush's um, videos, all mm. of her like, you know, videos for her songs. And um, I didn't really think about it, but uh, my mum, um, or my mum and my dad, probably most likely just my mum's, had like a VHS tape of like all of Kate Bush's videos. Mm-hmm. And, I was, and, I, and I wouldn't have watched a man since I was like living in Reba's house. So mm. I, I probably haven't seen that video since I was like below eight. And it was really weird. It was the song Army Dreamers, you know, Army Dreamers, <laughs> by Kate Bush. And something about like when the video came on, it almost like spun me out. 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? You know, like for a split second, Sparks it was like memory. my brain tried to convince me for like a millisecond that I was like five. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really weird, mate. And it sort of spun me out and it took me about 20 seconds to sort of recalibrate like, no, I'm a 33-year-old now that's living in Stagursi. <laughs> but for a split second, I was like, am I a four-year-old boy sitting on the carpet in Reba's house? Mm. Because it was just, I hadn't seen the video in that long. And then, and it, so obviously usually stimulation whether it's it's like sensory stimulation it's usually um just something once at a time so smell is obviously the strongest thing in terms of recall so you might smell a perfume that say your first ever girlfriend wore um however many decades ago and then you'll be like oh bloody hell for a second mm-hmm. and i thought it was mm. in our case the 2000s or mm. whatever however whatever decade it was when you were a teenager um obviously hearing's a big one as well and obviously, obviously sight but i think because at the time it was almost like several with me it was the sight mixed with the hearing and everything mm. And it was like, whoa, it almost like really, really spun me out, you mm. know? But yeah, that was just almost like my two takeaways of like, yeah, so it's like we know that about um, how you can directly influence even your offspring from things that you're doing around the time of conceiving your child and then mixing in with how powerful recall is. Or mm. that, even from like something, so for, for me, I think that's almost 30 years ago now, mm. that were like that, that sort of what I saw that then caused me to have that really strong, vivid, it was like a slap in the face, mm. like last night. Yeah, and that's what I find really interesting, that that stuff is stored somewhere. All yeah. of that, and like, mm. and like, uh, uh, how much of it is let go by your brain, or how much, or is it all? Is it all just there? Well, I think mm. that's why the Assassin's Creed books and games are so fascinating. So, for anybody that doesn't know what it is, it's the idea basically um, that they use this thing called the Animus, and what the Animus is is that um, there is this uh, company that has um, basically found a way to like go through your d- like genetic makeup, your DNA. They take your DNA, and then they can almost find the story of each ancestor <laughs> locked it. in your genes. I love it. And then as a result, they almost like tap into that. And then you go in this thing called the animus. And then you can essentially, it's like you shut your eyes and you lie on this thing, but you, then you go back almost in time and through your own DNA, you can almost access their life and almost like play it out almost like a story. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and then obviously you're playing. So it's a fascinating concept. And the weird thing with that is like he, like that you basically become them, which yeah, is so a bit strange. Like for me, it would be yeah. more like you could watch it or something, or almost like play chapters of their lives. Yeah, because it's not. But like- I feel like if you were getting a full experience of watching someone's memory, that would essentially you be be being them. But yeah, I think you know the difference I mean? is like you trying to control it or not. Like, because because yeah. in the game you obviously do what you want to do, mm. but like it's whether like you would just be a participant, like almost feeling it, what's going on, but mm. having no control over what's going on. But then if you start having control over what's going on as well, mm. then it's like where's the? I guess um, that kind of goes into almost free will, though, doesn't it? Because it would be like your memory would be their memory. So would you, when you're in this memory, would you be wanting to do everything they did? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because obviously they're yeah, doing yeah. stuff because that's what they want to do. So if yeah. you're like reliving your their memory, would you instantly then well, be like... Well, it's funny, isn't it? All right, I want to do all the stuff that mm. this guy's in, doing in, anyway. In the game, know? they sort of do cover that though because there's certain things that you can do in the game which will cause what, what's what's known as desynchronization. Mm. So for example, ah, okay, so if you really did cool, something yeah. that your ancestor wouldn't have done and you mm. do it more than once or twice, then the game will desynchronize and then it will, you'll have to restart. Mm. So like say if like, you know, if your ancestor was like a good guy, which they are in all the games um, on the whole, then if you just go around killing innocent people, then the game will just desynchronize. Mm. It'll be like, mm. and then it or will if even, you went to and, the and, wrong area, yeah, or, and it'll even say mm. on the game it will be like, um, like uh, your ancestor did not kill civilians. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, um, um, but um, oh, what was they the also do? By the way, the Assassin's Creed games do such a good job of recreating history nowadays. Oh, they do. It's fascinating. Like I was watching a video recently of a history. 
teach, uh, a history teacher that was teaching their class by on on the new Assassin's Creed games. You can go into like I don't know what do you know what it's called? I think it's called like gallery mode or something like that. And yeah, basically like you just can fly them, around yeah. and as the bird and just tour the uh, the whole the landscape world, that yeah. they've built up mm. and this person was teaching like the ancient Egyptians and they were playing Assassin's Creed Origins yeah. and just flying around and being like yeah look this is what Egypt would have been like and because yeah, they yeah. the Assassin's Creed team gets so many different historians to actually build up the world oh, and they've got cool. such a good they knowledge it. of it it's like actually yeah. really really accurate mm-hmm. as to what it would have been yeah, like yeah the, the storyline itself is obviously fictional yeah but um the in terms of the world and the 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 time of history that they do it they are they make sure that they are as accurate as they possibly can be and that's one thing i really commend them for so they get lots of historians on it so mm. so it's like so origins as as, as bullwinkle was saying that's set around that's set in egypt but around the time of cleopatra mm-hmm. isn't it and, and sort of julius so at the time it's sort of under roman occupation sort of thing um but um yeah they make sure that it's as historically accurate in terms of like what the what the towns would be like so you can go to like memphis and you can mm. go to um all, all the major places Siwa. and, and, and i think places, some of them yeah. even a bit like that um heraclion i think some of them nowadays obviously are either complete ruins or mm. might even be underwater but you can go and from the ruins and the wreckages that we know of we can mm. they've reconstructed it of what it would have been like from historical records as well of what it would have been and we would then like okay this was more of like a trading town and they would have traded in salt or mm. this mm. and this would have been another trading town but they would have traded more in silk or something mm. you know what I mean mm. really really interesting stuff so yeah I commend them very much for that and it's a great way of getting young children into history yeah definitely um, you know and then obviously they've got um, what is it Odyssey which is then set mm-hmm. um, older than Origins um, in, in ancient Greece about 3,000 years ago I want to say I think it's set about around that time so you can literally go all mm. around you know monday crete um all the islands all, of them. all the islands yeah and you can have you tr- heard the new one they're doing no i'm pretty sure the next game they're doing is like ancient china oh was it i think but that would be like a real cool mm. uh depiction of history as well i feel well obviously awesome. fascinating with all those different dynasties they had all mm. those emperors all those chinese yeah, emperors 100 percent. really interesting man yeah i love it's, that it's stuff. not it's not an area of history i know loads no, about. I, not me I know random tidbits mm. but like obviously there was like the ming dynasty and there's yeah. loads of other dynasties very fascinating time and obviously at one stage especially around sort of like um for like thousands of years they were like the absolute dons of the east mm. do you know what i mean like um you know, uh, you know, only like the Roman Empire could have like rivaled like the uh, mm. Chinese empires, and they had like they were so in fighting within each other, weren't they? You had like Lu Bu and people like that who would all just be leading their own clans to the point where there'd be like so many mm. different break, you know, break off mm. little parts, all just fighting and each other. The it's Mongols crazy. are obviously Asian, and the Mongols mm. slaughtered like mm. a lot of Chinese people, but didn't manage to fully conquer the Chinese. Oh, did they not? I thought they did. I'm not. I don't. I don't think they. F- I'm. Uh, I'm not 100 percent on this. By any means, I don't think they fully. I like, thought it was Kublai Khan that so, so Genghis Khan did, and yeah, but then yeah. Kublai Khan um, did apparently a bit, oh, a bit almost like, like the, the Great, Emperor, and then Athelstan mm. in British history. It was almost like Alfred the Great started it, mm. and then his grandson. I'm only getting that from Marco Polo, the, the series, show. the show. Yeah. No, no, you very might well be right. As I said, I do not consider myself by any means mm. an expert on it. I know certain things. So obviously, I know that the Mongols um, catapulted people with the plague like dead people with a plague into Chinese cities because the Chinese were like cocky so they would be like in their massive fortified castles mm. and the Mongols were cavalry they were expert archers on, on horseback that's what they were probably the best ho- archers on horseback of all time um, Native Americans might have something to say about that but um, so they were like the Chinese were almost like 
you know, oh, what are you going to do? You're like on horseback outside our like 40, 50 foot top mm. pool. Like, you know, at the time, mm. it would have been like, their the buildings at the time would have been like insane. Like mm. only places like the Great Pyramids and maybe a couple of other like Roman and Greek things would have like rivaled them in terms of construction. Like would have been like, seemed like godly at the time. Um, and they were like, well, what are you going to do? You're not, you can't like ride your horses through our freaking 20 foot solid brick wheel, like mm. freaking fortifications. So they were like, we're just going to catapult all of these like dead bodies that have the black death into the city obviously they would like lock their doors not to let anyone leave they had only had like say like three months worth of grain and, and supplies to eat mm. what are they gonna do everyone starts getting the black death they running out of food mm. eventually people were freaking leaving because they would have rather have gotten killed by the mongols and die slowly of starvation in the bubonic plague yeah. mm. so it's like they were sa- the mongols were savage very Brutal. good at obviously accomplishing their tasks yeah. and with the, with the horse as well like where they set the horses on fire and like mm. um, and like let, and, and and the horses like ran into the city oh, um, right. uh, there was that one and also oh, right. the, the finches as well so they said to the Chinese what birds uh, yeah um, they, they wanted 10,000 finches as a I think it was a finch might be a different bird um, but they were like they, the idea behind it mm. was um, they're coming from a place where they've been fed really well and everything like that so they got so they got all the birds set the birds on fire and the birds flew back to to the places in China where like you know like the, where they, their home was and everything and just set the city on fire I don't know whether that was made up for the show but I know the horse one was, was true mm. right. um, and I don't know whether they, saying, you, they you, did it with you the, would think they would have had to have been close by because you'd think a bird would die pretty quickly if it was on fire yeah it was just that they're outside the walls of it and, mm. and you know had all this thing and then the, you just see the <laughs> flaming thing of birds and, it, and it, I, think, so cool. I think the birds went on fire as well they, they had like them mm. on incendiary you know, devices yeah like on them if yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like and they were just all flying home and just like so set it was fire almost to like everything the ancient like, version, crazy it's like the ancient version of what the of like the what the raf did to the germans in the world war Two essentially because mm. they didn't really drop bombs on on germans they would drop incendiaries mm. so they rather than like blowing stuff to smithereens like what the germans did to us Burn it in all. the blitz they would just drop incendiaries and essentially cause like massive widespread fires. Mm. But you know when like fires get like out of control, like mm. you see like forest fires in California and stuff, it was like that. We did cool. that. We did that like to the German cities. But I mean, obviously, you know, not, not a good thing to do, um, but war time is tough. And obviously without trying to go with school, playground the the british did not start it mm-hmm. you know, the, the germans the germans absolutely obliterated <laughs> <ended> it <laughs> yeah before before the raf started like successfully um sort of giving it back you know um i'm pretty sure hamburg was one of the places mm. in germany that got pretty um pretty decimated but i mean obviously to this day i mean cities like bristol and that are pretty much all brand new because places like bristol got absolutely annihilated by the the, the luftwaffe during the war the luftwaffe obviously the name of the german air force military arm uh, yeah air force they, like destroyed Bristol, loads of places, lots of old historical sites to try and break the will of the British people. Obviously, a ridiculous amount of people that living in London were, were were killed under the Blitz, and obviously that's why lots of um, refugee refugees, like little kids, would moved out to the countryside. My my grandmother, my granddad included. Yeah, yeah. My my, my, my um my grandmother had like I think two different London sets of like London mm. uh, children, like set like, and they. My great grandmother and great grandfather, I'm pretty sure, gave my grandmother and my great aunt's bedrooms to them because mm. they wanted to be like hospitable so for a couple of years my grandmother and my great aunt joan rest in peace like just like slept on on the landing on camping beds mm. you know because they wanted to be really hospitable to the kids from um, london but yeah crazy isn't it and also my granddad was shipped over to to, to witness from the isle of man as well because the isle of man was essentially turned into like a prisoner of war camp <laughs> but um anyway sort of digress a little bit 
crazy 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 baby mm-hmm. one thing i want to talk about you um today i was like like i was thinking this myself last night and i thought it'd be a real just almost like fun topic to think about um and one that as i said there's not like a right or wrong answer so um all you listeners out there as well you can maybe like write in and tell us what you what you think and and why on this topic um i'm going to phrase this question in a couple of different ways um but to start what would you guys say, just in your opinion, as like a of like a fun topic? What would you say is do you think is the most like effective predator on the planet <laughs> nowadays? Like if you had to like think of like one or two, effective in killing things. Yeah, yeah. Like just like not the one you necessarily like the most. Mm. Afterwards, I want to ask you which one you like the most. Like you think is cool or whatever. What do you think is like, the most effective? Like a uh, what is it? A kingfisher. A kingfish, like a bird That's that like just skies one. down, mm. takes a fish, is off, boom. There's no, there's no questions yeah. about it. It's just a straight kill, and mm. it's out of there. I think if you're going to go the bird route, I think, in my opinion, you probably have to go some like owls. Mm. Owls. Mm. Are, if you look into mm. owls, man, the more owls are one of those animals that the more you look into them, they are crazy. Mm. They've evolved. I think they're the only animals that can fly mm. completely silently. Wow. Yeah, I watched And I know the 360 head thing as well is yeah. crazy, you know. Mm. And don't you think you even look at them and you're like, mate, how the f- I mean, how the hell did that evolve? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Pardon my language. <laughs> yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Like, how did that, how did that even, like, evolve? You mm. know? Mm-hmm. Like, because it, it looks in the head so different. Massive eyes. Massive mm. black eyes sometimes. Or, like, not they all, obviously, all mm. have black eyes, barn owls, don't they? But it's like, yeah, they have these massive eyes, almost like flat faces, and they can move their heads around. They've like, developed this, like, silent flight. I was hearing that... Um, the in- silent flight's crazy. Mm. I've seen like videos mm. of that. I was hearing in Cal- Colorado and stuff, um, the main cause of um, people... And this and the creepy thing is, is, is most people don't even realise apparently this is the case. The main cause of people's pets m- disappearing in, Colo- in states like Colorado and some other states in America as well, in the US, is um, because owls in the night snatch them up um, and then obviously the next day... Um, you know, you'll come out and you'll be like, where's my cat or where's my chihuahua or whatever, where's my terrier? Mm. And it's just disappeared without a trace. Oh. And um, uh, like biologists and stuff, sometimes when they've been like looking through like owl nests, obviously, for whatever reason, biologist stuff, whether it's like, you know, trying to look at eggs or trying to figure out how this bird made the nest, they found up to... 50 different animal collars in one nest once. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, like 50. Cat, That's crazy. Cat, cat and dog collars. Damn. Easy prey for them. And <laughs> apparently there's, a, apparently, um, oh, um, there was this, uh, what's his name? I can't remember the name of the guy now. There was a guy I heard about who said that he was having a meal in Colorado um, once and he said he was literally like having a meal. It was like outdoors, about 7 p.m. You know, sun's sort of like slowly going down, lovely golden sky. Everyone's like sat there eating outside. Um, and there was like apparently just like a cat on the fence and mm. just walking around, you know, as cats do. No everyone sort of like can see the cat, but not paying too much attention to it. And then apparently, literally out of nowhere, um, a great horned owl came down, snatched up the cat, and then she just flew off into the sky. And everyone was just like, mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, it was like a fully grown cat, and you could see the cat sort of like while it was before it disappeared out of view. You could see the cat like struggling in the talons and that. But great horned owls are like oh, the wingspans mm. like three times like the length of like a large cat. Mm. Like these, that's why they're always called great mm. horn owls because they mm. are freaking massive. I think they might be the largest owl in North America. It's I'm not mad. sure, but like, yeah, they literally like snatched it up 
And obviously they have got like nasty talons, man. Mm. Like even for like a fully grown man, say, let alone like a cat, like if once it sink their talons in, that's like a lot of damage to you in itself. Yeah. Mm. And then yeah, just carry the cat off like crazy it. isn't it mm. a lot of people apparently think that it's, if their pets go missing think it's coyotes mm. so they would, no but, man it's the owls but apparently with coyotes coyotes aren't interested necessarily in eating dogs and cats they said it's more of like a they see it as like a rival predator mm. so they're saying if if you find like your dog and your cat and it's killed but it's not really eaten um, and it's like killed and then they probably just got left a fight with the coyote yeah it's like mm. left somewhere near to the property what's probably happened is in the night the coyotes have targeted it thought like okay this is like a rival predator encroaching on our land let's kill it so we mm. have more success mm. whereas but you know so that's how you'd know it was a coyote but if your mm. animal just completely disappears you can pretty much guess it was like a great horned owl cool. that's amazing isn't it that's like mm. a fascinating fact but on the t- subject of cats so I was thinking like in terms of like uh yeah, most successful predators on the planet, and this is what made me. This is what made me think of talking to you guys about this today, because I've got a crazy statistic for you, for you all. Mm. Um, I think you almost just have to just go with cats, and I'm not even talking. I'm talking like the wider genus of cats. So I'm just going to include all cat species, include all of them, um, whether it's literally right down from Mr. Tiddles, your domestic cat, all the way up to the largest cat on the planet, the Siberian tiger. Because this, listen to this for a statistic for you guys. All right, this is something I found out at the same time I heard that story about the owl and the cat. Um, in the USA alone, okay, so not in the whole, not even in the whole of North America, not including Canada, this is just in in the United States, every year, how many animals do you think are killed by just domestic cats? So I'm not including even mountain lions and bobcats, which obviously kill a ridiculous amount of animals in mm. North America every year. Just, in, just domestic cats, how many animals do you think domestic cats kill in the USA every year? I have no idea. If you just 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 both just throw out a number, just I'm interested. Five hundred thousand. So you reckon ten mil? You reckon a hundred thousand? Five hundred thousand, half a mil. Mate, the number is staggering. <laughs> Domestic cats in the USA alone every year appar- apparently kill fourteen billion animals. <laughs> fourteen bill. <laughs> Think, that's what, crazy. what? How many humans are on the earth? They reckon about seven point five at the moment. Something like that. Whoa. So that's almost twice as many humans are on the planet mm, that ev- cats kill ev- just in every the USA. Year, <laughs> just in the USA, and that's just domestic cats. Whoa. That's not even bringing into account. As I said, there are bobcats and and mm. uh, mountain lions all over, which obviously would increase the number drastically. So that's just them killing mice, rats, birds, other ground, any basically anything they mm. can find on the on the floor. Let's face it, cats are killing machines. Anything they mm. can find, they will pretty much kill it if they mm. can kill it. Mm. You know, I've tried to take all sorts of random creatures off Mr. Scraggles before, you know. <laughs> he is good for keeping the rat population down there. Yeah. Where we live in that's what I was thinking. Is it like, um, it, I wonder what that's, if, if they weren't doing that, what yeah. the effect would, or what yeah, we, we, we would see of the effect of that well, being on they, they must have a negative population. and a positive effect in some ways. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like rats and stuff like that, yeah. or mice and things, I reckon oh, oh, yeah. Like, I mean. Things I, that we don't want around our bread. Every <laughs> single, it's usually winter time. And I just sort of, I usually gather it's because, um, um, and when I say winter time, it's usually rats that Mr. Scrooge, he usually kills rats in winter. And I think obviously it's because summertime, they're probably a lot more on the move mm. and a lot more on the surface, blah, blah, blah. blah. But in, obviously we know that they sort of, they, they are group animals, aren't they, rats? Mm. So it's almost like, I think that he finds a nest of rats. I don't know if it's called a nest. And, he, and he'll know where it is. He'll be like, that's it. 
and um, and say it's I don't know how many I'm not a rat expert obviously I don't know how many on average rats are in like a nest I'm just gonna call it a nest it might mm. have a fancy name you know how they say it's like you know it's like a, a parliament of owls yeah. or mm. a whatever of that yeah, you know, right, yeah. you know. Um, but um, let's just call it a nest um, so I think it's yeah he finds one and say there's like 30 I don't know in a nest and it's like there will almost be like it will almost be like clockwork mm-hmm. it'll almost like he'll kill a couple of rats a week for like a month and then it's almost like I don't know if he just clears out the nest or it's like they eventually move because they're like, man, we're just dropping like flies here. And just, but the size of some of them, man, it just makes me think like I'm glad that he's around to keep the numbers in check because mm. I wouldn't want these starting getting bold and like coming up mm. to my back gut, like you know, coming up to like actually on my my patio yeah, and stuff. Yeah, we, mm. we had an issue with it in um, Cannington yes, years you did. ago. Mate, that was hilarious. <laughs> Drew sent me a video one night. They had this uh, issue. With rats, didn't you, for ages yeah. to the point where like Sorel would be in bed at night, Drew's sister, Hear him scratching in the walls, and which that. is oh, horrible. Like sometimes horrible. like right next to her head, so she'd be like sleeping in bed oh. like, against the wall, and then suddenly hear them like, running up and down the walls. And stuff. Yeah, that ain't nice. Mm. You ended up having to put in rat poison and stuff, didn't you? And mm. it worked in the end. But you were like waking up in the morning, weren't you? And like going down to the kitchen, you'd open up the cupboard, and there'd be like cereal and stuff all over the place in the cupboard, and they had like bit and clawed through mm. the back, back panel of the, cupboard, yeah. of the of the cupboard. Got in, opened up the cereal and like eating all the food, which was obviously Damn. then making the food unedible for you guys. Mm. Um, yeah, crazy man. Those little, those little mm-hmm. buggers, man. They they're efficient animals, though, aren't they? Rats. Mm. They are like crazy. Mm. They knew, and they're smart as well. I saw mm. a video of um, um, a rat in New York, um, and it was like eating food uh, near a trap, and it was like food like going towards the trap. Obviously, with the idea being that it would follow the trail, go in the trap, kill it, and it was eating the food, and it got near the trap, and then it was the last minute it realised it was a trap. Mm. Um, and it wanted the food, so it um, picked up a stick, mm. put the stick on the trap, so the trap would set off, and then it ate the food. Out. Actual Jerry, I was Jerry like, from I was Tom like, and Jerry. Whoa, that mm. is that's like that's crazy. That's problem solving. Mm. That's crazy. So they're, they're clever animals. But yeah, you had that issue, didn't you? And um, yeah, you ended up having poison. You just Drew just sent me a real funny video one night of literally just him in his kitchen, and it's just like this like little plague rat, like just crawling <laughs> out from like under the freaking. Cooker. A uh, cooker, yeah, man, that was funny, dude. Yeah, and I murked it. Drew, Drew, Drew put it out of his misery. Murked it. Yeah. Drew had, um, Drew had like, an air pistol. Okay, <laughs> so, like, um, for people that don't know what an air pistol is, I'm sure most of you know what an air pistol is, but it's like an air rifle, but a handgun, <laughs> essentially, okay? So it's not, it's obviously not not a gun. This was a multi-shot one as well, though. So yeah. You could put, it had like, a gas canister. Gas canister, yeah. and you put, like, eight eight bullets yeah. in there at once like a little thing and then Drew just sent this really funny video it was almost like showdown at the OK Corral but with Drew and a rat and it was this he just sent this video about 8pm just got it through like finished working out or something like, oh, what's this got a video from Drew press play and it's just this little rat crawling out like plague like you no know, dying the plague and then I just see like this little this freaking gun race <laughs> and just, and from just, the other side of the like, kitchen yeah and it's just like pop 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 and then you see it, it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah, just going like. <clears throat> to be fair, like for anybody that might be potentially upset about that, you have got to remember the animal was dying a slow, agonising death, mm, and yeah. Drew put it out of his put it out of misery. The fact mm. that it's f- funny, or at least to us, right? It might not be funny to everyone. Is just a byproduct of the situation. But the situation itself mm. was was you know, as I said, he was putting it out of his misery. Mm. I don't know about you, but I would rather I would rather get. <laughs> put out of my misery oh, and yeah, die solely from yeah, poison 100%, 100%, and yeah. at the same and at the, also at the end of the day you know if you've got a rat nobody wants a rat infestation in the house nah. Nah. so you you were at the end you know you were uh, you know you were protecting your sister man and your, yeah, baby, and, your and your niece you know you, it's a bop, shame bop, but, you, you were being a man <laughs> 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 
But don't you think that's statistic? I was being a gangster. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But don't, yeah, it was a, it was a freaking hilarious video to view though. But um, that's crazy stat about cats. Don't you that's mental. But mm. I also think then if you include, yeah, include the fact that Siberian tiger is the largest cat on the planet. In in Siberia, tigers have zero competition. There are mm. even, there are bears in, in in Siberia. There aren't as bears as big as like Kodiak bears or polar bears. I'm not even sure to be honest if there's brown bears in Siberia. I'm not sure, but there's there's definitely at least black bears. But I know for a fact that not only Siberian, not only the not only black bears terrified of Siberian tigers, mm. but Siberian tigers actively hunt black bears. That's how much of a dance. Damn. Oh, they crazy. are afraid of. They're cool nothing. animals, to be fair. They're they, very cool animals. They are afraid of nothing. Mm. And it's like, and then you think about prides of lions in Africa, man. Mm. Like literally, like you can't get much more donage than that. And then you think about jaguars mm. in in South America. Oh. Strongest bite, bite force, force of any yeah. cat. Literally, yeah. this is how freaking. Yeah, again, it's almost a bit like the bears and um, like bears and uh, uh, and um, tigers in Siberia. This is how crazy of a predator um, jaguars are. A bit like the Siberian tigers, um, you know, actively hunting another apex predator like a bear. You think of crocodiles normally, you think apex predator, man, mm. like any worthy of any respect. Nah, jaguars jump into rivers, so which isn't neck. even their natural mm. habitat. Grab crocodiles. Granted, they're not as big as Nile crocodiles or salt cro- cro- crocodiles, but they're still freaking crocodiles, mm-hmm. right? They drag them out of the out of the rivers and and the lakes and blah blah blah, and then they crush their skulls and their mm. teeth with their humongous bite force and then just eat them. Like mm. what? What sort of animal? Like I just think Madness, cats are cool, man. Mm. They are cool. I cats like cats. Very so, agile and everything. Yeah. So such cool animal. Here's mm. a question for you as yeah, well. Yeah. Sort of leading off from this, um, my friend messaged me this the other day yeah. out of nowhere. He just said, "If you were in a room." With like a dangerous apex predator, which would you want it to be out of like, let's say a brown bear, no, right? No. A lion, more likely yeah. a gorilla or a hippo. Easy, easy lion, and I'll tell you exactly. That's why. exact. That's what I said. I said right. lion. A li- lion will kill you before it eats you. A mm. bear it will eat you alive. So it will literally just start eating you, and you'll be eaten until you're dead. Mm. Right? You can watch gruesome videos if you're a gruesome burger like myself um, i don't obviously go out of my way to watch this i've just watched them in the past i think it's important not to be like oversensitive about nature i think it's mm. an important part of being an adult mm. so i think that even though it is unpleasant sometimes it's good to force yourself to watch this so you don't have this weird disney sugar-coated version of, of reality mm. but like you can watch you know nature documentaries and stuff um and clips online and stuff and it's literally of like bears say eating moose mm. and they're like eating them from like the hind leg and like the ass essentially i think that's a lot of meat and that's a lot there's no vital organs there mm. and you can just see they're alive for ages and mm. sometimes it's almost like spinny it's like half the animal's eaten but because the brain the heart the lungs kidney are just intact they're still just somehow alive and the bear's just there like ch- taking its time yeah munching on you yeah. Man, I don't want to die like that bro yeah that's I want crazy, a quick a lion it would be horrible it Boom. would hurt like, while it was sinking mm. its claws into me and that it would be horrible mm. but it would be like oh, ah, damn mm. for about mm. 30 seconds hey lord god and then lions they unlike jaguars that go for the skull jaguars go for the neck mm. man a lion's not going to take two seconds to freaking mm. kill me by biting me in the neck mm. think how soft and fleshy this is yeah. right? and a lion's jaws with freaking teeth like that <laughs> man it's going to crush my windpipe I'll be dead it said 30 seconds max, boom, let that kitty have its dinner, you know? <laughs> Do you reckon a lion would be more likely to be less interested as well? No. 
No? No. I, I don't know why in my is. head. Whenever I see lions, they're always just kind of sleeping. Nah, man. Mm. Ca- ca- there's lots of cases in Africa of lions actively hunting humans. Mm. In fact, there was a really bad case of it. There's a movie with Val Kilmer from the 90s called, I think it's something like Ghost of the Train. Something like that. And it's a it's a real case. It's a movie based. You should watch it. It's a really good movie. I remember mm. watching it when I was like a little kid and I loved it. Um, it's a, a real case of two uh, pr- two lions that while, while the railways were being built in Africa, I don't know how long ago it was, let's say 100 years ago, it was about then, I think, about 100 years ago, maybe a little bit more, maybe 150 years ago, um, there were being railways being built in Africa. Um, and obviously there were lots of people working on these railways. And these lions, these two lions, figured out that it was a lot easier to pick off all these workers. There were like hundreds, if not thousands of workers just out building these railways every day. They figured out it was much easier to pick off these railway workers than it was to take down a freaking wildebeest Mm. or a buffalo or a hippo or a giraffe. Um, So people, like almost like dozens of people were getting killed and eaten a day to the point that it became such a massive problem that like the greatest hunters in the British Empire, this is when the British Empire was still in its heyday, were like traveling to Africa to try and kill it. And like some of them got eaten. And the movie is about Val Kilmer's playing the, the character of this real hunter that really went there. He would like hunted all across the, the planet and stuff like that. And it was like the tale of like him hunting these apex predators. Mm. So mm. Like, yeah, but like, yeah, hunt like lions, man, do not give a monkeys. They don't give a, they, like, if they can eat you, they will eat you. You know, they mm. say like grey white sharks and stuff and it's like, you know, oh, it's usually a case of mis- mistaken identity. If you're on a surfboard, your mm. silhouette from below looks like a, like a big seal. So they think mm. you're a seal and then they accidentally like, you know, they eat your leg and you die of bleeding. But by that point, it's too late. Like that's like a consolation. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's not like a case of mistaken identity with a lion. Like a lion's not going to be that fussy, man. If it's like, just like meat, baby. Yeah, mm. they'll eat you, man. They're happy to eat you. They'll just... Long I think, pig. I think mm. with most... <laughs> <laughs> Long pig. Long pig. <laughs> yeah, man. Fancy some long pig. Yeah, that's, what, that's, that's what cannibals call human meat, isn't mm. it? Isn't it? Because apparently we taste most like pork. Mm. Humans taste most like pork out of Porky. Porky, baby. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I think I think most land predators, it's more like a matter of like what will do them the least potential damage mm. like while they're hunting. Because you've got to think, mm. a life of a predator is a dangerous life. And let's face it, all their prey evolved to be pretty good evading and or, or trying to like ward you off so you say like a brown bear in its native environment say mm. it has to take down like a moose mm. moose is the freaking largest like species of deer on the planet mm. you see a moose in real life not that I have they're huge but they're it's big like, it's, like a, it's like a freaking SUV with freaking mm. like, I love seeing those videos animals. when they're walking mm. along roads and that and you see them compared to the size of the cars and stuff yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. it's mad so I think that's dangerous you know what I mean that's mm. dangerous for a bear whereas like you big know, antlers yeah, whereas, like, you know, if a bear or, a, like, a lion or something like that, if it can just, like, get you rather than something, they look at you and you're like, oh, okay, some nice little fleshy, soft-bellied little monkey. Mm, you know, let's mm. go get that way. That's way easier than taking down a moose or, mm. or in Africa taking down a freaking wildebeest mm. or something, you know, which has got, like, sharp horns and is, like, essentially like a, a freaking, like, uh, if like a bull became a UFC fighter, that's what, like, a wildebeest is. Mm. <laughs> Would anything ever go for a gorilla? Or are they more apex where well, um, they are? Um, I feel like if a gorilla started in, going mental, that would not, man. Well, one of the big one of the big questions. <laughs> not good. Uh, I've I've heard of, like a lot of people like speculate like what would win in a fight between like a brown bear and a, and a gorilla, mm, like a silverback. <sighs> and it's hard to say, man. Mm. Like um, one thing, like yeah, gorillas have insane strength, mm. like pure muscle, like ungodly strength. Also, surprisingly, they have 
um, a stronger bite force than bears. Mm. But I think bears, you got to bear in mind, bears are a lot bigger. Mm. Like I'm talking, you know, I'm talking like a big brown bear. How much bigger is a big brown bear than a big silverback gorilla? Probably twice the weight. Really? Whoa, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. realise that. What about a black bear? Because black bears are smaller, aren't they? Oh, I reckon a gorilla would mess up a bear. Yeah. I reckon, I reckon, yeah, black bear versus uh, silverback mm. um, uh, mountain gorilla, I think silverback wins. Mm. Against either, a, I think against like a Kodiak bear. Like a Kodiak bear is essentially like the biggest, meanest brown bear. Mm. I think Kodiak bear. Mm. I think that um, those claws—they've got claws. Mm. Um, I think you know. I, I think you know. Yeah, because they because you know, gorillas haven't really got claws, have they? So it'd just be like punches and, on, and bites. Yeah, I mean, on the on the plus side, though, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if it's ever been documented that a gorilla actually does this, but obviously they have opposable thumbs like us. Mm. Imagine it with the strength of a gorilla. Imagine it picking up like a branch, which was essentially like a freaking tree, mm. and then imagine that wrapping it around a freaking bear's head, like, <laughs> yeah, like King Kong, or like a boulder <laughs> that like I couldn't even nudge, and it just picks up easily, just slams it into the bear's head with like <laughs> with like freaking. Forty times the force that like a like a strong man could do. Yeah. Oh, I want like I'm. I, you can see why the Romans used to do this stuff, can't you? I, I'm not sure if the Romans ever actually got like silver. I don't know if, if they even knew that they existed. Um, do you know I mean like got silverback gorillas and made them fight oh, bears? Well, I don't think they did. Like in the Coliseum. They, yeah, they would they, do because they would make bears fight lions and stuff Whoa, like that. I know. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy, yeah. man. But let's just type um, weight. Oh, we we have to wrap up the show soon. Um, but let's just uh, have a look. Wait. Finish off with this hypothetical. Silver. Who wins in a fight, bear silver. or a gorilla? So mm. a silverback gorilla weighs up to 180 kilos. Mm. So that's not actually insane. No, like, no. They, I weigh about 110. Whoa. So it's probably like me and... Nearly so it's, yeah, silverback so, lover, man. <laughs> <laughs> so like, say it's like, I don't know, a bit less than like me and Bullwinkle put together or something mm. like that, right? Oh. That's a silverback. Whereas let's have a look at a Kodiak bear. It's going to be like, I'm pretty sure it's like, I can go up to like 400 Whoa. Uh, I think probably more on, on average it'd be 300 but like big specimens mm. can probably get up to mm. yeah weight of Kodiak bear oh my god a male can get up to 640 k- kgs what it says Damn. it says a male can range anywhere between 270 to 640 kgs that's insane isn't it so think that's a, a male silverback gorilla at 180 so what it's like four times so wait yeah do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. I don't think it yeah, does again, still I say here I've, I've just searched up who would win it says the gorilla's biggest advantage is its spry movement mm. whereas the, the whereas the grizzlies so this is comparing it to a grizzly bear uh, primary advantage is its claws the grizzly is larger but the gorilla is still stronger is it though mm. is it stronger I question the validity of that article. Mm. I mean, I don't know how has that person documented that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That's mm. what I think. Like, Arm yeah. wrestle. I mean, what? Do, what do yeah, you, how like, how what would they, you test that? Did yeah. they get him yeah. to do a one rep max and squat? I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like they saw it pull a tree out of the ground. Also, can you see mm. this thing? Can you see this here on the screen? Yeah. Right. So you said a grizzly bear. As you can see, a grizzly bear on average gets to about seven foot. An upper limit brown bear, which is what we're talking about, Kodiak bears, are actually like much bigger. You know I mean, so you can see a black bear is about the same size as a big man. I'd love to see a, a, a massive brown bear in real life. Oh, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? I, mate, I, I saw a brown bear, didn't I? Ah. Oh. Well, when I was skiing um, with your bro, mm. um, not he wasn't there with me at the time. I think he was probably like kissing his missus in like the freaking chalet because he like just basically did that the whole holiday. And hey, and I ain't judging, bro. That was like <laughs> that was like his first like serious girlfriend. You know what I mean? So like Josh pretty much spent the whole time um, just like in our room, just like kissing his missus on the bed. Mm. Fair shout, man. I think we all do it, don't we? Especially with with our first... (laughs) You all do it, don't you? With your, like, first proper, like, relationship, when you get smitten with them, you just do that. 
but um i was um just loving skiing and just mm. like proper like loving it and was just doing it over and over and over again all day um and after you beat a couple of days of us doing it we um were allowed a little more freedom doing it mm. so you could choose your own trails and you could do it as long as you know you were happy and there was never like somebody that was like that far away you know mm. what i mean but anyway i was like going down this mountain on my own in like um yeah in like north america just like coming down this i think it was like uh, like north new england somewhere around there um lovely snowy mountains and it was like all around the mountains in like it was also like forests so it was almost like the 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 trails were almost like cut out of the forests that were like in the snowy mountains mm. and i just like stopped at one point i just like stopped going down like about probably about halfway down this massive mountain i was looking around just thinking man like this is like stunningly beautiful, man. It was like blue skies, but like snow, lush, massive pine trees around me. Like nature as far as you can see for like miles. Like God knows how, like the altitude I was at, God knows. And then I just looked to my left and there was just a freaking bear just like checking me out. <laughs> like in the freaking trees, man. <laughs> that Damn. is mad. And it was like, I don't, it's really hard for me to say nowadays how far away it was. I think considering how big they are, I think it was pretty far away, mm. but it was like big enough that I could still clearly see it was a bear. You mm. know, like, mm. like I, could, uh, I reckon it was probably like, oh man, it's so hard to say. Maybe like eighty feet away. Mm. Maybe like you know, like a distance of like a football pitch or something like that mm. away. Yeah, I could see it was a bear, but it was probably like this tall to me. Mm. Yeah, from like yeah, where yeah. I was. Do you know what I mean? Which, considering mm. obviously a bear can like, as we just saw, get to like nine feet tall, but it was sort of checking me out, and I was sort of checking it out. And it was almost like it was like looking at me like, whoa, it's a human. Mm. And I was like looking at it like, it's a bear. Whoa, that's a bear. <laughs> and, and it was almost like checked it out for a minute. And then I just sort of went on my way. And that was it. Mm. But it's, it, I tell you what, I didn't realize how much potential danger I was in at the time. But since then, um, I, I follow this thing on Instagram. It's called Nature is Brutal. And it's like I've watched videos of like people skiing down mountains like as fast as they can, and there's like grizzlies and brown bears, like, like freaking caning it after them, <sighs> and it's like sketchy because the bear bears can run like the same speed as like racehorses. So mad. if you think, oh, so if you think like, oh, you know, yeah, it's like how fast can a freaking seven hundred and fifty kilo bear run? Like, mm. no, they can run like thirty forty miles an hour. <laughs> they that's told what, me. They that's told why they're the most dangerous predators mm-hmm. you know? about polar bears and how they oh. swim oh, for I mean, like terrifying. man. They swim from like. Iceland to like Denmark. Oh, they're terrifying. How crazy. Oh, I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know about that. Maybe. Apparently, that's what this tall guy was saying. <laughs> maybe it wasn't Denmark. Maybe it wasn't Denmark. Maybe it was... Norway. I don't know where. Norway. They, Norway, yeah. Maybe. That makes more sense. That would be but, a lot more believable. Yeah, whichever the closest one is, yeah, probably. No, but, Norway, um, yeah, Norway. But yeah, they were saying that they literally swim the entire distance. How mental is that? That's in crazy, like three In like minus temperatures of water. Mm. That's crazy mm. to swim yeah. that far. And apparently they're like quick as well, this oh, guy yeah, was saying. yeah, yeah, man. Mental. I'll tell you what, apparently apparently polar bears are terrifying. Like, you know, mm. yeah, up, up north. Mm. Like in the northern... Up north. <laughs> you know, up north, up in Lees. <laughs> no, like obviously, um, yeah, up in like northern Norway and Iceland and stuff because it's like, you know, they are hun- they are the only bear that's 100% carnivorous. So mm. all other bears are omnivorous. Well, mm. apart, apart from panda bears, which are also the only bear that are herbivorous. But most bears are omnivorous. Um, so they eat meat and berries and everything, but polar bears have evolved to eat purely meat so and, and also they eat a, they live in a very harsh climate so they sometimes go a long time without food they are also the largest species of bear even bigger than kodiak bears in some cases wow so like if a bear if a polar bear sees you think it's this apex predator it's the largest terrestrial predator on the planet mm. that's crazy isn't it mm. largest terrestrial even bigger than like a siberian tiger or whatever 
they will see you sometimes they are in full starvation mode they've also got more testosterone than a freaking room full of reuters <laughs> um they are starving and they are the largest predator on the planet and they will look at you and they will literally do whatever it takes to eat you mm. and that is like a terrifying thought isn't it that's like mate that's like that's like a real life monster mm. that's like story like, you Legit. hear a story about a monster like that's mm. that's like real life monster right there mm. There's this freaking thing that's the size of a bus, like a small bus that's going to like literally do anything to kill you and eat you. Mm. And you're not even really going to see it if you're out in the snow. Mm. No. So just blending. Yeah, you see videos of them and they are just like completely camouflaged. It's Mm -hmm. crazy, man. Crazy, man. Anyway, guys, we've got to wrap the show. I think we've already gone a little bit over, but um, thanks for chilling with us this evening. Um, let us know what do you think is the most effective predator on the planet? We didn't really get even like a good answer. Sorry, I didn't even get a good answer out of you guys, but... um, I think cats are Do definitely like cats. cats are up there. I also think you've got to say killer whales as well. Mm. I mean, literally the absolute dons of the ocean. But yeah, let us know what you think are the coolest predators, the most effective predators, all of that good stuff. And we'll be back with you guys again next week for another Pandora's box. Cheers.